Welcome to Ram and Sam back again, and this time it is actually again. We we tried yeah. to record last night, but weather said nah, this ain't gonna happen. But uh, we are back. Ram, you you all good? Everyone safe? Survived? Survived it all? I know we probably should start this off with props to our guy Sam because. I mean, he's chilling out there in the West Coast now. He's It's beautiful, sunny California. The Every Midwest, day. though, last night, you know we always try to record Friday, put it out Saturday, whatever. Big storm hit in the Midwest here. It was it was actually kind of crazy, big winds. I don't know, branches were flying around out here. But I we made it out okay. Unfortunately, the recording did not, though. The Wi-Fi was messed up. The recording was lost, so... It's been a while since we've had an entry into the Rem and Sam Lost Tapes, but last night it got, we got a new one. The Lost Tapes, uh, they they're they're piling up. So, but we're back, and I think we're gonna get through it this time. Sun's out now. Yeah, we had a, we had a we had a moment. There was a moment there during the during some one of the segments we'll get into, um, <laughs> on the same wave. But it's all good. It's all good. You know, maybe one day we'll crack open those. Um, tapes you know once we blow up and get big but uh we love y'all who do support us already um and who are listening to this during the you know not so busy time of the year um not as much going on for nba and nfl um there's still you know women's world cup shout out wnba um Becky you know, preseason soccer stuff is going on but not as much of our bread and butter but that doesn't mean we are not still making some delicious desserts here. We are still, we still got plenty to talk about. Um, starting off with um, a quick shout out to Bronny James yeah. um, on. Well, he suffered if if in case you in case you haven't heard um, on Monday, I think it was he suffered a cardiac arrest during uh practice and shout out to the usc uh, medical staff who were there who were able to help him um watch over him and then uh he got released i think they confirmed on thursday he was in stable condition and then friday he was released from the hospital and i think yeah this is coming out today so i think last night or maybe thursday night they were out you know, they got some dinner and stuff like that. And then this morning or earlier today, um, LeBron James posted on his story, um, Bronny playing the piano. So it's actually great that we did have this delay because we got really good news. You know, Bronny is, he, he seems like, you know, everything is there. And uh, that's really good to see, you know, his his coordination, you know, it looks looks like everything's going great. And uh, that's like we mentioned, you know, what what is always the number one hope for situations like this it looks like he is in good health i'm um, getting the help he needs and uh it's good to see him literally back on his feet yeah and obviously you just want him to get back to normal health normal life everything to just be back to normal but i mean you think about other guys too like keontae johnson recently at kansas state had a big moment in the march madness tournament this past year he was a guy that had an incident similar to Bronny, push through bounce back and shine big on a big stage so Bronny, it's good to see that he's out the recovery process has started but just big picture as well i mean we've always been pro Bronny here nothing has 
changed about that. And we're going to continue to be pro Bronny as he continues his career and his endeavors, but best wishes to him and everybody in that situation involved. And yeah, we hope he can return to full health and get back to doing what he loves as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the clip, you know, it looked like he, everything was great. And it was kind of funny hearing Bryce in the background saying he can do that too. You know, he still, still is a little brother thing. So it sounds like things are going back to normal with the James gang. And, uh, you know, definitely seems like it's a great ending to the story. Um, and, uh, some other good news, um, for the Boston Celtics, uh, Jalen Brown recently got signed to the biggest deal, richest heat deal in NBA history, $307 over five years. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had been talking about where's the contract, when are they going to sign it? When are they going to get the deal? And, now it's finally in the books. It's finally, or I think it's three or four. Yeah, it's the exact number. I don't know. With these, you know, with the, um, what do they call it? With the incentives and stuff, usually fluctuates. But yeah, it's $304, the Supermax, um, getting over almost $70 million in his last year. And Rem, you know, I, I guess it was always a question, at least person for me, is whether you want to pay these two players that much, whether you want to commit, you know, 35% of the cap to one player in Jalen Brown, where, you know, we know the glaring issues we've seen it. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where people are just like the cap is keeps going up. So maybe it doesn't even matter. And as much as we've talked about how the CBA is changing and it's affecting the way and the teams build the moves that they make it's you know it's having its impact on the league one of the things about the cba and these max contracts that has kind of flowed under the radar a little bit is the fact that you can actually commit this much money to a guy earlier on in his career so in the past when you paid the guy 35 percent of the cap i think he had to be like a 10-year veteran at some point he just had to be later on in his career that guy would be more established, definitely well into his prime at that point. You know what you're getting. It's at 10 years, especially, you know, in the past when guys' careers weren't as long either. 10 years is, there's not as many good days in front of you as there are uh, behind you at that point. But now I, it's lowered, and I think you can get the Supermax contract after your seventh year of service. And I, I mean, Jalen Brown just got it, so... You know, he does have his limitations. Is he worth the complete full max, the complete 35% of the cap? Is this going to make the Celtics team building and pushing their limit to the luxury tax? Uh, it's definitely going to do that for this roster, but at least compared to some guys getting paid, uh, some questionable guys getting paid this in the past, like he's going to be in year seven. He's just now entering the prime of his career. He's still a relatively young guy, and there is still potential for improvement. He just had the best season of his career. And I think that, you know, as much as we have to see the impact of this CB CBA play out, like guys actually getting the max contract younger and being able to play through the max in the prime of their careers, 
maybe we don't see as many regrets and as many big misses on those max as we did. Now, Jalen Brown, you know, he's going to still have to improve and you're still going to want to see him improve to reach that value. But the fact that he's younger than compared to guys in the past, I think there is a world where, you know, he, he, there is still like a leap that he could take. So better days are ahead of him here as he enters his prime and that could definitely make him worth his dollar amount. And yeah, in this off season specifically, we've seen a lot of young players get that full supermass contract in Tyrese Halliburton in LaMelo ball. So, you know, Jalen Brown being one of the other people who, you know, got the bag, got the bag um, is now starting to become the norm around the league is just to lock him up, you know, give him that money. And, you know, when you look at the stats and kind of take the emotion from that last playoff series and really look at the big picture, you know, you got a superstar pairing in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which is pretty hard to find or find a replacement for him. So you kind of had to bring him back. Um, when you look to this last year, Tatum and Brown combined for 56.7 points per season or per game uh, this last season. That's the fourth most by any duo since the mm. 1977 merger. And then they both scored 30 points in 10 games. Only Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant did this in the past 30 seasons. And then Brown has improved himself. Uh, last season, he made 54, 54 of his own made shots were unassisted, 1.15 points per direct drive, according to Second Spectrum. So, you know, the Celtics have made the playoffs every year he's been on their team. Um, they have been a competitive, you know, team making it regularly to mm -hmm. the conference finals. And so, you know, for when you look at, if you put that standard on other teams, you know, you could see that most of the, around the league teams, you know, th that you, when you look at other teams that you may say have comparable talent or even more, they yeah. rarely reach that standard without being called a dynasty without, you know, unless like the Warriors in their prime, you know, they, they have the whole, you know, wasn't beat by, weren't beat by a Western conference team until recently. There was that long run. Um, but mm -hmm. most teams don't have this consistent standard of excellence. And so, if you just take just the stats, just the results, and, you know, kind of ignore his one weakness, he has been an integral part to a consistent winning team, and and it kind of makes it a no-brainer for the Celtics, even if there are doubters like me who, you know, we want to question a little bit, is, there, is this really the best option? But, you know, when you look around the league, and especially how hard it is to trade for players now, especially when you're talking about the super max and the apron and all those rules. Sometimes the most obvious way, you know, Occam's razor, sometimes the most obvious mm. result is the right one. You know, just go with the, you might as well just lock them both up. They've been working and uh, just keep it rolling along. And he did, like you said, individually improve this year. His shooting percentages went up. He was, he was 52% from 10 to 16 feet. So from the mid range, he was hitting over half of his shots, and that was actually second best in the league for that range. The top five was Steph Curry, Jalen Brown, Anthony Simons, Austin Reeves, and Kyrie. But Jalen Brown was second, and some of the shots that he was getting weren't necessarily the best, but he was hitting tough shots. He was hitting them at a high rate. And before that Miami series, so the Atlanta-Philly series, first two series of the playoffs, he was... 
24 points a game, 54% from the field, 47% from three. That totally turned around in the Miami series. He fell off to 16% from three, 41% from the field. But, you know, I mean, the, the talent is still there. And he's still young. He's going to be entering the prime of his career. And like you said, the, the success of this duo has been uh, about as close you can get to those championship-level teams without actually winning the title itself. And I think the fact that they were actually able to go out and get Porzingis this offseason, because Jalen Brown still has one offseason with the lower cap hit. His extension won't kick in until next year, so 24 25 so they still have this season with him on the 30 they still have tatum with this year and probably one more year with him on the sub 40 cap hit so they still had a little bit of flexibility a couple of moves to make and porzingis is like porzingis is like i think like a legit third guy like the stats kind of say he was maybe a top 30 guy in the league i think you know a couple of a, you you go a couple of spots down and now the, from third-team All-NBA center. And, I mean, Porzingis is right there. He was hovering in that range last season. And there are going to be nights when you think he's the second-best player on his team. Like, they haven't really had that solid third option there yet. Smart's been great for that team, the energy that he's brought, the leadership there. He's played a, a big role in their success. But, like, a legit third guy, legit shot maker, a guy with still with two-way upside as well, too. Maybe not quite like Smart, but two-way upside the front office was still maximizing the flexibility that they have and they still have tatum on that low number next year so there's still a little bit of flexibility before you know they hit both of these guys in the 50 or i guess 60 plus million and then they're really pushing toward the luxury tap and cap and then things get really expensive so they have zinger and i think that's amazing i mean that really boosted their title odds and they still have the malcolm brogdon piece as well so you know he's having some problems with his physical right now but he's 22 million on the salary cap and what do you what do you even want to happen with brogdon at this point like do you do you want him to work out and play a role like does what he do does what he does bring value to this team still we saw him win the sixth man of the year in the playoffs or in the regular season, in the playoffs, you know, he was good in that uh, series against Harden. But do you think he's more valuable to this team on the court or as a trade asset? I I do think that there is still some value for him. Um, when you look at their backcourt, uh, you start looking at uh, what they're what they're going to run out there with, and um, you know, when you when you start looking at the closing lineups. I mean, he, there is some worries because of his uh, injury issues that we don't know if he is someone that they can depend upon. But similar, like we mentioned before, there aren't a lot of quality other backup guards just lying around, you know, in this league. Mm. Um, it is, you know, someone who has shown up in the playoffs. And I guess if you're going to have, I mean, that's where you start deciding as the coach. You know, what does Missoula do? Who is, what is his ending starting five? Because, yes, he might, in Brogdon, there might be some injury concerns. But at the same time, Al Horford can't be this good for this long. You know, Robert Williams, we've seen that, those issues. And so there is a high chance they could go small ball five 
put Porzingis at center. Um, you know, maybe have Luke Cornett in there. But just having Brogdon coming off the bench, um, and then he's just there. I mean, he we had, I mean, I know I mentioned his injury issues, but if someone else is injured, and just having that little, still that little bit of luxury is something that is I think going to help him stay ahead of these other teams, and you know, something that you don't really want to get rid of quickly. Um, and is someone you can kind of undersell or under, you know, underpay, which, you know, hope we want everyone to get their back, but because of his injury stuff, um, it's kind of a, Hey, prove it to us. And most other teams will say as well. I mean, that's the main reason why they're able to get him in the first place. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Brogdon. I, I just wish you could stay more healthy, but I, you know, if he really shows up this year, maybe you can go somewhere else after winning a ring. Um, I, I you know, long-term. I don't really see him with the Celtics, but mm. he does. I think he can be a very integral part for their for this next season. And I think you know, with this, with moving forward with these two players in Tatum and Brown taking up so much of the cap, it is going to be interesting to see the kind of risks the Celtics have to take these next couple of years by bringing in Porzingis and his injury issues, and still and knowing his talent, but there's still some concerns whether he can stay healthy. How long they hold on to Robert Williams, despite the Time Lord missing so much time um, yeah. because of his injuries, and how long they continue to you know have this makeshift rotation at center and at these other positions because uh, you know it's not necessarily top line you know talent everywhere else outside of these two guys, but you know they make it happen. They somehow make it work, and the the players have shown up. They have gone above and beyond. I mean, shout out to Derek White. You know, he did mm-hmm. he did win a game for them. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, this bench, they, they don't... The one worrying thing about the Celtics is that they're not great at developing young talent. I mean, shout out to them. They did bring in that duo in Brown and Tatum and able to build it out. But when you look at their last couple draft picks, I think like Romeo Langford, you know, they have Jordan Walls. You know, there is some, there is some um, interesting... interesting um, uh, it's not great, you know, team building long term, but um, am I saying Grant this Williams right? Did... Oh, Grant Grant Williams left. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. But now they lost Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, um, who were who were pretty. They were becoming too valuable, but they're also kind of hurting the team long term. So it'll it'll be interesting. They have lost some depth, so you know there isn't really a point in getting rid of more depth. Um, especially when a lot of those players are question marks for whether they can stay healthy all season. So it's just better, you know, similar to bring back Jalen Brown is, I mean, this team has been a winning formula. You know, it's not like the Grizzlies where they're, you know, getting knocked down the second round or the 76ers. They're, they're, the main point is they're in a way better position than the 76ers who continue to, who haven't made the conference finals, you know, pretty much my whole life. So it's, it's uh they're they're in a much better position they got their stars they got all that and once you similar to the nfl once you get your superstar quarterback locked down you can take some risks other places you can let some guys go and or you can take risks on injury concerns and so i i think it it makes sense for them to keep brogdon long term and it's probably what or not long term but definitely these next couple seasons and i think that's what they'll go with and they've traded a lot of their first round picks too as well like they made their they traded one of them in the deal to move off of kemba walker's salary and i 
They've uh, you know traded a pick swap to the Spurs in the Derek White trade. They moved a pick for Brogdon as well too. And Grant Williams is you know a a guy that was depth for them, but a guy that they drafted as well too. One of the few first round draft picks they've had, and he had to walk. They weren't able to keep him around. Uh, you know Romeo Langford's gone, like you already said. So they don't really have they they don't have the young talent from this run that they should have had with Tatum and Brown. And, and they, you know, they do have Derek White and Brogdon too, but it, I guess it's still up for debate whether or not they maximize the value of those first round picks. But do you think for Jalen Brown as well to just the mental side of the Celtics having committed to him? Because he had to play this whole season with this contract thing lingering over him. It was really up for debate. Like a lot of, like even us, we were talking about what the best way to approach this going forward was fake trades, just all of that stuff. But they've locked him down. He is said he's invested in the city as well, too. He wants to commit to growing the economy in the area. So just the. Is there going to be like a peace of mind now for Jalen Brown that's going to elevate his game? Because Logan Murdoch as well, too, on the ringer after he signed the contract, Logan Murdoch had written a feature about Jalen Brown, and they were rerunning it again because of the contract extension. And in that piece, he talked about a practice that Jalen Brown went to, and something had happened in the class. There was a discussion he had had with a professor that was really just weighing on him and it affected his performance in the practice. So, you know, I'm just, that was in that piece and he had to play this whole season with that thing lingering over him. But now he's the first $300 million player. He has fully guaranteed as well too. So they've committed to him. There's a trade kicker that makes it more difficult for him to leave. So that ups the chances for him just being there as well too. Is he the kind of guy that just needed that kind of backing to really kind of just take his game to that last step? I think so, yes. I mean, when, there was definitely some enmity or some um, unsettledness between him and the team when he was getting thrown into the KD trade talks. Um, it seemed like he was always on the trading block. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for people who like, like me who had some questions about his play. And there seemed like there were some issues between him and Boston. You know, he definitely felt uncomfortable being there at some points in times. And it seems like now he's committed to reinvesting in the in the black community in that area, um, you know, improving the area instead of leaving it. And uh, he's, you know, someone who practices what he preaches. Uh, he's involved with the Players Association. He's involved with several foundations there as well. Um, you know, huge. So, I mean, huge off the court, uh, involved with events. He was in Paris for the fashion week, which is partially why there, um, and then there was the players association meeting when partially why the contract talks got delayed a bit. So when you look at all this, you can tell he's definitely someone who is very involved, um, with activities and stuff outside of basketball. Um, he's very, uh, it's very, he's definitely got a balance between the two. It's not all basketball. So I mean, when you have, you know, something, it's clear that, you know, he's aware and is a thinker and it's something that affects his game, like you've mentioned. And so there is definitely that pressure mounting. 
of, you know, Kane, does he deserve this deal? And, you know, there's questions of, oh, will they bring him back? And so that probably build up during their one of, you know, in their seven game series, which they had multiple times um, to bail them out to, you know, beat the 76ers and almost beat the Heat. And so it's definitely, it's definitely a place. I mean, they're still human beings. I think a lot, you know, that is something that gets forgotten in a lot of things is, you know, while they are professionals and, you know, more, more athletically coordinated than anyone we've ever seen, you know, in terms of NBA players and professional players as a whole, they're still human beings and they still have thoughts and feelings and, you know, emotions. And so that definitely played a play and, uh, and having this, lockdown having the contract having the confidence like you mentioned um and you know them really putting their stamp on this is our guy and this is it i think that really is going to help them in future times and you know really gives them that extra confidence to be a leader to step up and maybe removing marcus smart was also part of that you know hoping to get more Mm -hmm. vocal leadership from the other guys um to really own this own this team's run um really own this team's destiny and to have them really take that next step because it's clear that you know they have the talent there it's very clear that they have the talent to make the deep runs they've consistently showed that and they just need that one final you know really push to get over that hill um which you know they which is clear which was very clear when you saw them against the warriors in the finals it was just they weren't quite there and so hopefully this is what the move that they needed and, you know, they are continuing to improve as a whole anyway in terms of talent, um, in terms of understanding the game and their skills. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's very clear what his one weakness is. So we know he is definitely working on that. And if, you know, if they can improve this next year, they're going to be, you know, probably the toughest, the toughest team in the East for sure. Mm. Um, like we mentioned, Chris Middleton. Um, definitely getting older and after coming off an injury, definitely didn't look great this last year. And Giannis is banged up himself. We Like we mentioned last podcast, we don't even know if he's playing international basketball because he's getting a surgery. And then 76ers, that, you know, their second star, James Harden, is trying to get out of there. And, uh, you know, the Heat, can they really repeat this? You know, will they, they? it doesn't seem likely that they're getting Dame. So, and they've, they've lost, you know, quite a few pieces on their roster as well. Uh, and Struess and Gabe Vincent, I think they both left. Um, oh, yeah. So, so you know, a lot of the, around the East and, you know, the league in general, the league, the West is starting to load up, but especially in the East, um, there's not really a set juggernaut outside of Boston. And so it makes sense that they reloaded, locked back in. Um, and even with losing Williams and Smart, bringing in Przingis should help. Uh, offset some of those losses and it's really it's going to be exciting to see if, if this team can really take that step because their worst enemy has been themselves they've been the ones to drag themselves down I don't you know watching their games it's not I don't think there's been a team that's really out talented them like where it was like wild you know there was even with that net series where they got beaten pretty handedly you know it's still clear that they were kind of in their own way and then they came back and swept that team. Um, so it's it's uh, it's definitely they they have the talent, and uh, it's just uh, more of the mental side, which has been affecting not only Jalen Brown but the whole team. So hopefully this allows them to really take that next step, allow Tatum and Brown to really step up and be leaders this next year because that's what they need. I mean that's that's what they've been missing. That is the last step that these guys need to take in their development is. And we've and this is not just Jalen Brown either. We've talked about this for Jason Tatum as well, too, that 
one of the things that makes Tatum so special is his ability to go out and just play so well, regardless of kind of how the game was going. Like Jason Tatum never really dictates the pace of the game. He just hits shots. He's a massive scorer, a bucket getter. Like Jalen Brown has developed into the same sort of thing. And yeah, maybe that does have its big picture questions. That is the one, you know, the one thing that Udoka seemed like he was tapping into was smoothing that out. And now Missoula is going to have to figure out how to do that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's like the last step that those guys, I mean, Brown is obviously, you know, a level and a half behind where Jason Tatum is at, but being the like controlling the game and kind of just having their style when they were a defensive team, they had an identity. They could slow the game down. They were locked in on that end. They had something that they could fall back on in this season. The one thing that they could fall back on was just Jason Tatum was awesome and seemed like he's now really just in that realm of superstar. So, I mean, yeah, you know, that's what we talked about too, though, for these guys getting that contract a little younger. Like if Jalen Brown is doing this year 10, you're looking at him going, well, what's the upside of this guy year 10 getting that deal with the skill set he's shown? But year seven, like these are the prime years of his career now. So these guys are still having these formative experiences and figuring this stuff out. And not to put like other players on blast either, but, you know, Jalen Brown is like a big picture thinker. And you can touch in one of that came off in that piece that Logan Murdoch did as well, which is a great piece. If you haven't, if you can't tell already, I've talked a bunch about it. Go read that piece if you haven't. And, you know, that comes off in that piece. It comes off in his interviews. He has a respected status around the league. And you just see like other players doing their player podcast circuit, going around doing the interviews. Like Jalen Brown is thinking about the bigger picture stuff and it i'm sure it has its moments on his mentality i'm sure it, there's no way it just doesn't affect him like that's a lot of stuff that weighs on him he definitely takes a lot of responsibility in the position that he has and a lot of responsibility now with the wealth that he has and one of the things that was really impressive with this is because the numbers for the contract or big like 70 million is big compared to now but like we've said it's only 35 percent of the cap so it's just a projection of what 35 percent of the cap would be and in in the lost tapes we were talking about when the possibility of the next 400 million dollar player would be and i did find this piece on cbs let's see who it's by Whoa. it's by it's by Sam Quinn. This was, so we're recording this on the 29th. UFC 291 is about to start any minute now. Uh, this piece came out on the 26th. He lays it out, does all the math, yep. says that we should have a $400 million a year player by the 27-28 season, I believe. Let me scroll back down yeah, and make sure that's right. That's yeah, five that's, years. Yep, well, and then the first year of that contract would be around 69 million so with eight percent raises each year that puts you at 92 million the last year of that contract that averages out to <laughs> 80 million a year so that's like what like four or five years from now i mean we're almost there that's crazy yeah and like we mentioned uh, and you know in that um last 
pod. Um, the, when you look at the numbers of the new TV deal that the league is looking for, um, I think it was mentioning that the new the national TV revenue will jump up from 2.6 per year to like 8.5, um, just because they'll be getting it's a 75 billion dollar deal instead of 25 billion. So you know, three times as much for this next deal, and like we mentioned, like you know, with sports now into coming into this next kind of decade. It's clear that sports is the only consistent live thing that people will come and watch for. It's the it's the only thing that, you know, you can set a certain time and you know people are going to turn on the TV for. And especially with streaming platforms, a lot of people, you know, similar to me, you can just watch it later. You can watch it on demand. You you know, why do I need to um, come back and watch it? But sports, it's still an event. It's still something people come all together for. We saw this with the World Cup. Um, we've seen this with other um, events and so just having that dependability is something that these media companies especially tv companies that are kind of scrambling to keep viewers is something that is you know worth its weight in in diamonds and what gold and any the most valuable in rubies you know because it's just so hard to find content like that already without this writer strike without all the mm-hmm strike which you know was crazy you know wish these media companies could pay people but they're yeah. feeling the effects of it now you know thing projects are getting delayed we can see some you know lack of quality in writing projects i don't know if you watched secret invasion but you know it kind of no, had a really rough ending a lot of people didn't like it and you know i i you know it wasn't it wasn't great but you can see the, you know, kind of the lack of shows and content out there for those streaming sites. And so now not only do you have uh, the lack of content for live TV and not really an audience for it um, as much, then you also don't have as much as stuff on the streaming sites. Not really much is coming out. So people are going to have to be entertained somewhere, you know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what you know soccer has started to understand and we'll we'll talk a little bit about it later in the corner is you know they're coming overseas they're coming to us they're starting to take you know take the opportunity and people can see them um and we'll go home and go and watch them or you can watch them on tv they're starting their season earlier there's more soccer online and then there's us or there's a women's world cup um and other sports so it's just it's just there's so much value in sports um, and with the league getting the new CBA, kind of locking in their agreement with the players, they can start really expanding. They've already pretty much 100% confirmed that Las Vegas and Seattle will have the new expansion teams, which I'm really happy that Seattle will get their team, will get a team. They definitely deserve to have one. And so now they'll be able to offer even more games, more teams, if they're able to get, figure that out before the deal TV deal ends. And I think two years um and now with the mid-season tournament they're kind of now a little bit competing with nfl you know but making sure they're not on nfl days but still having that you know kind of during their season you know kind of fitting into their own slot and so it'll be interesting to see I, i'm really excited to see the future of the nba and uh they're they're exploding you know they've kind of had the cap smoothing where they're you know they're making sure that everyone in the league benefits and not just the players whose contract it was up that year um but you know they're still looking for the cap to expand 15 million each year 
So that's still a significant amount. I mean, that's a solid, I mean, 15 million year player is a still a solid, you know, mid-range guy. So I, I'm really excited to see how the league continues to grow um, and, you know, them willing to try out new ideas, new things. And uh, especially with this mid-season tournament, it's going to be really fun um, once we once that gets rolling. And I think I think some people are like, you know, kind of on the fence about it. Once it's in person or once it's happening and you see the bracket and crazy stuff happens, you know, it's really going to be fun to watch. Yeah, the more we've talked about it and the more it sits, like I am starting to get hyped about it. And I think like you're saying, because we're seeing now with this writer strike too, just the stuff in the fall is already starting to be pulled back. So if we're already seeing the effects of it now, like there's really not going to be any new stuff coming out at the end of the year. So people are going to be hungry for something. NFL is going to be in the air, but the tournament games are not on NFL days. So if they can just kind of catch that wave of sports energy and the vibe is just in the air, it's going to benefit everybody. And if you like, just think about too, like, what these strikes in Hollywood are about and what they're arguing over. Like it's about the origin of the content. You know, the writers are the origin of content that AI they're trying to bring that in. It's just kind of, it's about where it all stems from. And there is the streaming service stuff too involved, but yeah. just like fundamentally what sports is, I mean, like, it's just, you can't really script it like honestly like you know it's going it's always creating itself there's always new there's always different stuff happening like it, you just you can't make it like a tv show it's just it's always going to be churning at this point like it just it doesn't seem like it's gonna stop and the nba as well too is going to really benefit from that and we've seen like the money is just not going to be on the player standpoint it is going to be on the owner's standpoint so one of the other things i wanted to ask you about was so the mj sale did just get fully approved now that these numbers are just getting off the charts the mj sale is fully approved so now for the 2020s we've had three teams sold plus the the robert sarver issue with the Phoenix Suns. So technically four teams have been sold. If you go back to after the merger, so in the 80s, three teams were sold. In the 90s, six teams were sold. In the 2000s, five teams were sold. And then in the 2010s, we get a real business boom for the NBA just in terms of team switching hands. 12 teams were sold. And then also oh. the Donald Sterling incident so 13 teams sold during the 2010s and now in the 2020s we're at four teams sold that doesn't include expansion teams just teams being bought and sold with the financial boom that the nba is in but especially that it, it's about to hit do you think we're going to get more or less teams being sold because last decade was about as I mean, it, you know, historically as crazy as it's been for the, you know, the teams changing hands, the values continue to go up. Do you think the owners are going to want to sit on their teams and just kind of ride this out? Or are we going to see a bunch of people cashing in and maybe like, I don't know, like a bunch of rich guys getting in the NBA? Like we're already kind of seeing it 
And if you want to go like super far out, the Saudi money that's lingering out there, like who knows where the NBA funds are going to be coming from down the line. But do you think we're going to see like any more teams sold this decade? Um, I think it is going to happen. There's going to be someone who wants cash and who needs a red in there. I mean, there's always some crazy situation going on. Um, Gail Benson. And, and yeah, something's going to happen. But it, it is interesting. I mean, during the early 2000s, I know the talent was pretty rocky. Um, there wasn't great. It wasn't great to watch, you know. Yeah. Um, there was some, you know, not really sta- some stagnant growth. Um, with Besides the Tim Duncan. Yeah, well, yeah. and um, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, especially in the late 2000s, um, it wasn't nearly as talented as it is now. And so I guess, you know, once you get in the 2010s, the value valuations must be rising, you know, smart people start to see the league is really going to take off. And so that's where, you know, you see them start buying in. But I think it will be similar to the NFL where these people are going to start keeping their teams and it is. It's going to be harder and harder to buy one of these teams and sell them, especially if the seventy-five billion dollar deal actually happens. I mean, that's just. I mean, three times more. Yeah. That's just stupid money. And if you're, if that's, you know, from this year to the next, what's the next one even going to be? You know, with with uh, the effects even going even worse. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it could be, you know, a trillion dollar. Deal. I don't know. But it, oh. it's, I don't know. It be, but it, it's definitely it will be it, it's definitely i don't think these teams are really going to sell going to be sold as much as the money just keeps continuing to climb because it's starting to get to some serious money where each team you can actually feel you know some serious generational wealth but um i did want to mention yeah with the writers as well you know it's definitely you know with them with them protesting you know some of the issues is also with those residual uh payments yeah. where they you know how many times those things are their content is being aired compared to streaming and things along those lines and with uh sports you don't have to worry about that you know once you film it you know for that game they don't have to show it you know they don't have to pay those guys ever again for that specific game um now they're That's getting true. paid a whole lot more than the writers are, but don't give them ideas, Sam. Yeah, I know, I know, but 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 uh, you IT, know, they can, that out. they can put on, they can put on, you know, anytime NBA TV or whatever, they can put on, you know, nineteen ninety eight, you know, the finals or whatever, and you know, they don't have to worry about paying anyone. So that's another reason these media companies love sports. So it's it's uh you know it's, it's the value of sports is skyrocketing right now and. It's uh, it's gonna be a really tough product to ignore for these media companies, and you know it's one of the major sports here in America. Even if football is king, there are other options. So, and you know, like it's just, it's all the other stuff too around it. It's, I mean, we just we're seeing it with Netflix doing it with quarterback, but they're, Mm -hmm. you know, going big on all the other stuff too. They just went full send on all of full swing. They went full oh, swing went on all of swing. all of their stuff. They got the the golf show, the tennis show. They mm-hmm. already had the drive to survive. And mm-hmm. the drive to survive is another example. Like quarterback is them saying, you know, the NFL's a big entity. We're going to leech off of that and that's going to benefit us. But drive to survive is the other way around where Netflix is the big entity at that point and Formula 1 is still the up and coming thing, but 
it's sports. People are looking for stuff. People get hooked on Drive to Survive. And now all of a sudden, you've got F1 starting to gain steam in the mainstream kind of sports consciousness. UFC, like I said earlier, UFC 291 stack card. That sport just continues to grow. So it's the live rights. It's the documentaries. It's going, it's going to be all that stuff because like the rights too, it's, it's just easier to figure out. Like it, it's going to be easier for these media companies to wheel and deal. And it's going to be the popular stuff at the time. And everybody's going to be consuming all, all of these properties. So yeah, I mean, the money's only going to continue to keep coming in. It's only going to continue to uh, keep getting bigger and bigger. I mean, we, we said it when MJ sold the team, but I think sit, hold tight for like a couple of years because you're, I mean, the expansion is the expansion fee is right there. And that just goes straight in your pocket. You're just, you're missing out on it, but he does have the out. Jordan money that he, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't need but i mean jalen brown's 300 million dollar contract like steph so steph curry right now so steph has you know he's like he just said today he's in the prime of his career so he has more years in front of him but as of right now steph has made 302 million dollars playing basketball and is maybe the second best player of the generation jalen brown just signed a 300 million dollar contract kobe made 320 million from his career Shaq 280 MJ 93 million dollars MJ didn't even get to 100 million dollars playing Poor basketball guy. in the NBA that's the greatest player of all time that's kind of crazy magic Very I mean long. I don't even have to give you the 39 million for magic poor guy Larry Bird 25 million that's why these old guys get cranky because yeah I mean, who's making Larry Bird has made, made as much in his basketball career as Bruce Brown is going to make this year that's, that's where crazy. the NBA has become Larry, wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. Well, Larry Bird made $25, 26000000 million in his NBA career. And Bruce Brown's getting paid, what, $22 million this year? Kyle Lowry's making $29 million. That's crazy. Kyle Lowry is going to make more money than Larry Bird did his whole career. Yeah. That's, that's tough. That this is a season. tough scene. As an as a expiring contract. As a salary dump. Literally, somebody took a dump and gave $29 million worth of salary to Kyle Lowry this year. My goodness. Well, there is someone fighting to be in his backcourt with Kyle Lowry, um, and that is Dame Lillard. And I know Rem has still been cooking up. He's been in the lab making some trades. You know, there was a crazy trade he brought out in the Lost Tapes. You know, who knows? We're going to have to hide that one from the world. If it does happen... Who knows? You might have to. You might have to bring it out. But maybe uh, the lost tapes will resurface if the trade actually happens. There you go. It's, but it's um, kind of a. It's it's kind of a long shot. But the lost tapes. It didn't go over as well as I thought. I thought the player for player fit made sense, but there hmm. is some front office stuff. You know, location stuff. Like it's not Miami. That's always going to be a problem as well, too. Yeah. But I thought it made sense. But I we were talking about the memo that came out they were doing too much they had to tell the agent to settle down and i was on the trade machine so this is another this is another one this is take two let's see if you like okay. this one a little bit better so this is a this is a three-teamer oh and and this one puts him in miami so okay. dame will be happy if anybody's gonna be happy dame will be happy so that was kind of the issue with 
the last trade, but we'll see if the rest of it works. So the Heat get Damian Lillard. Okay. The Blazers get, and the third team that we brought in, the Blazers get Pascal Siakam and Duncan Robinson, and the Raptors get Tyler Hero, Jaime Hawkes. They get Jovich, and they get they can 27 first, 29 first. Throw in, I don't know, what do you want to throw in a 30-pick swap? Like, how many picks do you want to throw in? So, basically, the Raptors get the young guy package from the Heat for Siakam, but Siakam goes to the Blazers, and Lillard goes to the Heat. Does that make sense? Who says no in that deal? Did I redeem myself? Um, yeah, I mean, the Blazers are definitely saying yes to that. They're getting, uh, what, almost 30-point a game guy and uh pascal siakam and you know him and Sha- uh him and uh scoop i mean that's that's an interesting pair he fits and throwing amphrey simons i mean you know that that's team of the year stuff right there but um my team of the year not yeah. best team of the year but uh uh and uh you know dame heads to heads to miami i mean he's all in on that uh, the main question is, you know, is that enough for Siakam? Is that are the Raptors saying yes to Tyler Hero? You know, a, a rookie and some picks. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it depends on how much they really want him out of there. You know, bringing in, getting rid of Siakam kind of finally puts them in a rebuilding mode. Um, they got rid of Nick Nurse uh, this last offseason, right? They just, they just yeah. got rid of Nick Nurse. So. Uh, it'll be, I mean, you know, the, the Raptors have always been in that weird middle stage where they're like, no, we're not tanking, but see you later, Kyle Lowry. But, you know, we still have, and yeah, see you later, Fred Rimbley. We're not going to pay you, but, you know, we're still going to keep Siakam and, you know, not really take any of these deals for OG on Anobi. So I don't, I don't know. They're, they're kind of, a they're kind of weird. They're, they don't know what they're doing. And so. But I think they were looking at, I mean, they. I think it was more of OG Ananobi they were looking to trade. Uh, maybe They were definitely getting more calls about Ananobi. Yeah, exactly. It that seems like Ananobi has more value from the other teams. Yeah. Yeah, but and, um, so maybe Ananobi instead? Do you think he'll get more? <laughs> I don't know if I would be moving Ananobi. I wouldn't trade Ananobi for Tyler Hero if I were if I were the Raptors. But... Wow, really? Over Siakam? So you value Ananobi more than Siakam? Do I? Is that what I'm saying? I might. Uh, you just said, I mean... <laughs> How old is Ananobi? Like... Let me let me verify his age quick, and then and then I will give you a, con- a confirmed answer, because the two-way stuff is there. The... And maybe it's just like, maybe it's the expectations. Maybe it's Siakam as the best player. Maybe I need to see Siakam as... A number two they're both expiring contract as, as well so they're both going to be getting paid in different dollar amounts ananobi is 25 this past year so he, he's 26 he'll be 26 this season 47 percent from the field 38 percent from three for ananobi the defense wait so what are the trailblazers putting into this trade dame no, into to to uh, what's their face? To the to the uh, Raptors. Uh, nothing. The Raptors just get all this all the stuff from the Heat. Basically. Oh, okay, okay. So, so they I, can I? So I'll re- 
You want me to read okay. the trade again? Yeah. So the Blazers get Siakam and Duncan Robinson. The Heat get Lillard. And the Raptors get Tyler Hero, Jaime Hawkes, Jovic, and Picks. So why don't they just trade Dame for Siakam then? Dame for Siakam, would you? But yeah. What is what does that get you if you're the Raptors though? Because he's not gonna he's not um, gonna pull a Kawhi. He's not gonna. At least I don't think he's gonna pull a Kawhi. I mean, it's four years too. It's not one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You get an unhappy four years with a guy that we already had questions as a, a number one. It's it, it's because it. I you know those if you could get a couple of picks from the Heat in 27 and 29 and maybe a swap you know those I think those could be pretty juicy picks and Hero and Grady Dick in the backcourt with Ananobi and Scotty Barnes like that that's a pretty good four you lock down Pirtle as a five there as well so you at least have a good starting five it keeps you in that range that you know if you're the Raptors unfortunately you like to be in that middle range but hero as a ball handler you get a couple of young guys in there for the upside so i mean it's it's close if you were just like would you do that trade for siakam straight up if you're the heat like you know it, it's tough i feel like siakam yeah. they were talking about getting him from the hawks we're talking about uh bringing in siakam as well too and the hawks have a lot of wing players so you know maybe there's a more tempting guy that they could get for siakam but the hawkes piece of the dame lillard trade is interesting as well because the other thing about that the thing that that memo that the league really sent out the thing that that emphasized was the fact that the blazers just really have no leverage in this situation that's why the agent was saying what he was saying but we know the heat don't have enough to give him up either but the Heat also did pass on Cam Whitmore with the 18 pick. Do you think he would be like a spicy option in a, in a Dame trade? Did they mismanage that draft from that from that perspective? It felt like Hawkes was more of a win with the roster we have now versus this is an asset we're trying to send off to get a bigger piece. After the Amen Thompson pick, every single one of those teams messed up by not drafting Cam Whitmore. <laughs> Turn turn on the TikTok camera. Like I don't, it's 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 bad. It's bad. It's like, not done, Levy. There are some, you know, there are some you could argue, you know, higher up, obviously in the draft. You know, do you rather have a shooter like you know Jordan Hawkins and he was taken late than hit Cam Whitmore? You know, what are you looking for in terms of fit? But for in terms of talent, it's just there's no way you can argue it. So yes, yes, you are right. But there's like six other teams, seven other teams that would um argue with that so uh who would who would also fit in that category but something interesting so making sure i got it right so the the trailblazers would get siakam and then get duncan robinson essentially right would they would they get any picks i guess no just those two guys okay because yeah they are looking for picks so i think that would be one thing that would hurt them and That's another true. thing is that siakam right now they're first of all he has an expiring contract so yeah. he is a free agent next season and he has stated according you know to rumors but um he has it's it seems like he has made it clear that he will not sign an extension after this um if they don't if they do trade him and so he's uh i mean you know maybe if he's traded to la or something they can figure it out 
But that means after this next season, the Trailblazers really only get Duncan Robinson from our Dame mm. Lillard. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to hate on your trade, but no picks. The Siaka, like, he's pretty set on leaving, or he's pretty set on leaving if he doesn't get a contract extension, especially, like, from Portland. Like, you know, it's Portland. Sorry, guys, but it is Portland compared to other cities. And so he's definitely, and he's already shown some, you know, willing to yell at his coaches. It seems like there's some stuff going on already. So I don't, you know, it, it's a great trade in theory. Again, like, like I said, with 2K, you take this trade 10 times out of 10. But he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to stay with the team wherever he's at. And, you know, no picks. And pretty like 90% sure that the one star from the trade is going to leave. It just means the Trailblazers probably are stuck with Duncan Robinson and his crazy contract uh, for Dame, which is a yikes. But uh, it is an interesting trade, though. It is an interesting trade. It's just finding a guy who fits with what Portland needs because the big thing with Hero is the fit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, well, and the talent, the more, too. Yeah. I, I think so. The more we talk about it, though, you are starting to win me over on the, the Tyler Hero thing. I'm not. I'm telling you, he's a decent player. People it's, are really sleeping on how good he is. He's not that bad. Like, But Siakam next to Scoot, next to Sharp, next to Simons, basketball-wise, that does make sense. Don't sleep on Scoot. He's going to be a star player. Siakam with – I mean, Scoot's got higher upside, I think, than anybody on the Raptors roster – Right now, sorry, Scotty Barnes, but I would Ouch. rather, ha yeah, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Scoot with Scoot playing yeah. no NBA games versus Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year. Maybe I'm, maybe yeah. I'm stupid, but I would rather have Scoot. So it would be, I think, a better situation for Siakam in a in a tough, tougher Western Conference. To be fair, so like with the trade in the lost tapes, it's trying to find like a wing that could slide in here that the contracts line up as well, too, because Siakam's number is in that range. But it sounds but it, like we sounds like we might have found another on our next unhappy guy. Exactly. Like and, and you know, unlike the train lost tapes, like that guy was a couple of years. He, you know, he had a couple of years in his contract. Siakam's going to be gone after this next season. And like if, him as a free agent, like there's going to be some decent teams that are going to look at his stats and be like, well, you know, he did score 30 points. At one point, he is still, I mean, he's really good in terms of when you look at his statistics um, and been how much pushing, he scores. Exactly. Been pushing for All-NBA. I mean, yeah. he's been on All-NBA, but was pushing exactly. for it the last couple of years. So there's going to be someone that pays him. And, you know, if considering, like, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't, he's not Dame. He doesn't have that commitment to the city. And he's going to be 29 years old. I think after next season. So in the prime of his career, um, I guess he wasn't scoring 30 points a game. I don't know where I'm getting that stat, but uh, 24. This last season, he had a career high, 24.2 points, uh, seven rebounds, almost eight rebounds, six assists, or five, almost six assists, 5.8. Um, played the uh, 37 minutes a game. So he was, he was really out there, but um you know, more shots, taking more shots than he ever has before. Um, and still really consistent, 48% from the field, uh, 32 from three, and, um, you know, 51% field goal, effective field goal 
rating. Not great from free throw, but uh, it's just, you know, with him, it just, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense for the Trailblazers, who are really looking for a really good package for Dame um, and something that they can really build around because Dame, a Dame-level player to a city like that only happens pretty much once a generation, except it's happened twice this generation. Shout out to Scoop. Yes, they 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 get it again with Dame. It yeah. does come up a it comes up short a little bit because just the two players they yeah. don't have the picks in there. That is that is fair, obviously. But I guess back 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 to the trade mill. Hey, you we'll put in that work though. That's that's we, a that's we're gonna a, get you know. we're gonna get the right one eventually. We believe. We I want to get the Dame trade before the NBA does. <laughs> well, talking about trades and stuff like that, we one of the segments. That another great segment, Rem cooked up portfolio report, looking at some players um, from around the league, where our stock is. I recently sent Rem a Cam Reddish workout video. You know, it is a summer video, so it's it, you know you take it obviously like with a whole pound grain full of grains of salt. But I'm still in on him. I still think he could be a solid rotation. You know, maybe starter level. NBA player. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. High expectations, but he was a top five pick, I think. He was top five. Um, definitely top ten. I yeah. Definitely in the lottery. Yeah, he was in the lottery. Um, but, uh, you know, we... we so, Rem said... 10. Yeah, oh, just number ten. Yikes. But, uh, Rem said, hey, we got to see your books. We got to see what's <laughs> going on here. Making sure, you know, no other crazy stuff. You know, some financial advice. So, Rem, who you got? What player are we looking at off the bat here? You know, I know we mentioned some in the la in our lost spot. But, you know, you mentioned you got some new players. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really going through the whole portfolio. Yeah, the portfolio is... Never ending. So we we could name we could name dudes all day. Who was Cam Reddish balling with in that summer run? I feel like it was I feel like it was somebody really good too. Brandon Ingram. I mean, obviously the rest of the, the rest of the guys at the LA Fitness were not not good, but he was uh, tearing it up with somebody else. Oh, was it Anthony Edwards? Oh, uh, might have been, been Ant. Might have been Anthony Edwards prepping for FIBA. Is Cam Cam Reddish isn't on the select team, is he? Uh no, he didn't make it. Uh -oh. Sadly. And you're and you're still not selling your stock. You couldn't even Yeah, it was Anthony Edwards. Yeah, maybe he didn't try out. Couldn't even get on, on the select team. Should we we Either. should really quickly, I think, pay tribute to the guys that were lost in the lost tapes really quickly. Well at least there were a couple of guys that mm -hmm. we were both aligned on. For their stocks, so we should mention them really quickly. And do you just do you want to mention the first guy that we're we both bought up all of this guy's stock over the off season? If you're listening to this and you can buy up this guy's stock, do it right away because it's gonna be a breakout year for this guy, Sam. Yeah, no, um, my one of the players we mentioned was Trey Murphy, the mm. third um you yes, know sir. even though he did finish seventh and um mip and most improved player balloting you know he had a great season this next this last year um upped his scoring per game by 8.9 points 
Um, and still is shooting by nine points. Uh, and he's uh, 6'9", or 6'10". We said 6'10", last episode, right? Six, Did he grow? Maybe, maybe he is 6'9", but 7 foot, 1 inch wingspan. You know we're a fan of that. Um, and a consistent shooter uh, from three, unassisted. Um, pull up as well. And I think it's top percentiles in shooting. Stats are off the charts for him. But he's not just a spot-up shooter. Um, he was he was second in all in the dunk contest, you know, which, you know, take as much as you want from that. But he is an athletic guy, and I personally thought he was supposed to win it. And uh, we, we have, like we mentioned, I have a whole another book for uh, Pelicans guys. They were my team of the year fight. last year. You know, it's just it's just so many great players on that team or really not really not great but players with a lot of potential who could really blossom into interesting interesting uh, future assets um and dyson daniels you know zion's still on that team you know he's still a good player and herb jones so but trey murphy was definitely the most exciting from this last year uh, being called upon to really show up and with cj mccullum getting older you know he's still going to be a productive player but if there is any dip off any if he does get hurt if anyone else gets hurt you know at least they have someone who they can call on off the bench who shows even though his usage is significantly increased uh he does not his efficiency doesn't dip at all and in fact improves and if you look at guys that shot 48% from the field last year, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line, four guys, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Luke Kennard, and Trey Murphy. And guess who played the most minutes of all four of those guys? Yeah, Trey Murphy. The Pelicans called upon him. He showed up in a role-player role last year. And we mentioned, too, like a guy that we think could have like a Mikel Bridges-type rise from role player he does what you need as a shooter two-way guy but as he like his as the shot creation continues to develop i mean the percentages are right there and like we're saying he was playing a lot last year he was playing a significant role he was third on the pelicans maybe second or third in minutes played for the season last year so i think year three for trey murphy is going to be a breakout year we both think buy up all the, buy up all the trey murphy stock you can that's the best financial advice i think we can give from this segment is get in on the trey murphy stock we also said we said malik monk we both are holding on to some malik monk stock was a six man of the year candidate but when he was when he was going and him and fox were both at their peak that was the best version of that team that team was running at its best when him and fox looked like they were you know it it looked like you could put them up there with some of the better backcourts in the league, the way they were scoring some nights. So for him, the next step would be like, could he do that? Could he actually do that every night? And we're both holding on to stock. I don't know. Do you think he actually gets there this season? Is is he just locked in as like a bench heat check guy at that point? Or do you do we still hold out hope that Malik Monk has like a night to night level? If, could he be like a 20-point-a-game scorer in the league next year? Um, well, he's going to have to up his scoring by seven points per game, which, you know, that's going to be a monstrous jump. Um, that's just a whole playoffs. level shift. Um, and, 19 yeah, a game he, in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I know. He was. He did show up in the playoffs. You, you know, you could not point that, write that down as a heat, heat check moment. But um, and being now with a team that believes in him, with a teammate that he's played with in college, um, and really giving the keys and pretty much keeping the Kings afloat in that series against the Warriors, where Sabonis, you know, it seems like his brain broke. He's getting stomped quite literally by the other team. Uh, it's it's definitely it's going to be interesting to see how that translates into this next year. Um, if he can really take that next step into being a productive, you know, one of the better starters in the league for a team that showed their, you know, their offense is their bread and butter, you know, technically the most efficient uh, offense in NBA history just because of stats and all that. Um, but, you know, also wanted to really quickly mention something about Trey Murphy. He started oh, yeah, no. one game in his rookie season and started 65 in his second season, um, which is just, just stupid. I mean, there's so many other stats about him jumping up in usage and stuff yeah. like that. But, um, you know, shout out to him. But uh, it, but going back to um, with Malik Monk, uh, he's, you know, his, his style of play is really complementary to their cornerstone guy and De'Aaron Fox. Um, that's why they were such a great backcourt in Kentucky. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if he, they can really, if he can take that next step into being their second, you know, third option, depending on what's going on with Sabonis. And uh, if he can become from a heat check guy to a real consistent guy. But, you know, it, it, the, the playoffs were a really good sign for that. You know, the most high pressure moments in their whole season coming down to that um, and him showing up. And it's, it, you know, he's definitely, but right now he's fighting for rotation minutes with Kevin Herter. And uh, we're going to see if he can take that next step. I don't know if he can, but I'm still in on it. He's, we had really good signs from that series with the Warriors. He is in his, so he'll be entering his seventh season. So I guess a year, a year behind Jalen Brown, or is he, he in a, yeah, a year behind Jalen Brown. Yeah. So if we're, Saying Jalen Brown can improve and take that last step. I guess Malik Monk. There is a chance. Cross your yeah. fingers. We're <laughs> holding on to the stock. We also said Sven Goon. Sven Goon. Buy up some Sven Goon stocks. He had the growth spurt. He's a legit center now. He's a full 6'9. So the defense was the one thing with him. He has the size now. The passing is there. And I think, too, just. The other guys are starting to be in place. Amen Thompson looks like he's going to be a legit piece. We're both super high on Jabari Smith. And Sven Goon just being the piece of the offense, addition to all those guys. I think he's going to have a big step up this year. And he's a player that he needs a good team around him to really shine. And I know we talked about one of his teammates as well. Um, who you might mention later in Kevin Porter, but kind of uh, the um, the philosophy of the team has been, you know, kind of pick up basketball, you know, whoever brings it over half court scores. And to now transition that, hopefully with Ime Adoko, to really play a team kind of basketball is going to really complement Sangoon's skills as a passer, as, you know, kind of a similar hub, you know, on a slow, you know, much lower level, not as good as Jokic, but... And, you know, still a good uh, passer uh, and being able to orchestrate the offense, have guys around him, and still have his own post moves. And we've seen his folk work. You know, I think one of the – I've heard, you know, some national people say, you know, top five guy in the post in terms of how many moves he has. 
And it's, you know, really a lost art around the league. And now him growing, becoming, you know, 6'11 with no shoes. So, I mean, solid 7'7'1 seven, seven, guy in the league. That, you know, that's going to help their rim protection. Hopefully help their defense, you know, really improve. I, you know, he has been a solid defender, not really great. Uh, he's a little bit of laterals. He doesn't have much lateral speed, um, flat foot speed. But really shifty player really smart basketball iq guy he's been playing in at a, you know a high level for a while now and i it's, i'm really excited for it to, to see him take this next step with a winning coach a coach who's actually going to tell these guys what to do and who's going to really make sure that they play their way and i think he's going to be one of the people who really flourishes under that when some of the other players might have some issues with the coaching. So I'm really excited for him. You know, with basketball, sometimes it just matters how tall you are. <laughs> and being yeah. hitting that seven foot is a yeah. great benchmark. And it's really great to see a player who has been, you know, one of the more interesting NBA nerd kind of players. You know, if you if you know who Sangoon is, you know, that means you're actually watching basketball. And it's, it's, it's a win to see him continue to improve um quite literally get you know as he starts shooting up that's a that's a, a sign yeah it's a sign <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign that you have league pass if you're locked in on the sven goon tape and if you're just talking like technique slash repertoire slash beating his man with technique versus athleticism like sven goon you're right might be top five in the league when it comes to post five uh like like post post footwork i could i could yeah. i could def i could definitely uh definitely see that so buy up the sven goon stock we said hold hold on to the jalen sugg stock don't necessarily double down or sell it off but just if you have jalen sugg stock mm. hold on to it the defensive numbers for him still show that he is an impact level he's an impact player on the defensive end the shooting for him hasn't turned around yet. But I think the big thing is, you know, it, it there is still a way for him to work his way in with this Orlando backcourt. Like, there's just a lot of young guys, a lot of, you know, a lot of wait and see with the talent that they have there. So I don't think it's necessarily certain that the guys that they have would play Jalen Suggs off the court, but he's going to need to improve the shooting if he's going to make our stock worth it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, we saw, like, his rookie year. It was really rough from three. Um, and now he's gotten into kind of a league average at 32%. Um, still below league average. Not great. But it's going to be interesting to see which of these guards on the Orlando Magic roster is really going to take that next step because they've kind of got it set in terms of their bigs. Um, in terms of their forwards, they have Boncaro. They have um franz wagner so they kind of got it set um and you know john isaac so that's your three bigs right there and um now you gotta figure out your backcourt and they really address that in this year's draft bringing in jed howard um and bringing in anthony black but those are yeah. both players not really you know jed howard has some some shooting but not nearly known to be great shooters as well you still have cole anthony you still have marco Fultz, and so it's 
I mean, it's kind of scary to see this many non-shooters on their team. I mean, there's still players you don't want to obviously leave open, but whose main um, main strengths are with playmaking. Main strengths are with being on, you know, in, within the three-point line. And so it's 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 uh, Jalen Suggs. I mean, he has an opportunity to really earn that starting role um, just because of the number of options that they have. But he's gonna have to really improve his shooting, and what, these guards—I mean, it's they. I don't know what their coach is like. Every day, just shoot a million threes. I, you know, don't don't yeah. leave until you make a hundred in a throw or, or in a row or something. But uh, that's gonna be—it's gonna be the main focus, I think, this year. Is whoever kind of is becomes the main consistent three-point shooter out of these guys is really gonna get that starting spot and. You know, it's it's uh you know it's kind of sad for Boncaro. They didn't, you know, they could have brought in Hawkins. They could have had Grady Dick, but uh, it's yeah. I mean, they're still they still have talented. I mean, those guards are talented players. Um, some high pedigree in there. You know, Suggs, a college champion. Uh, you know, Markel Fultz, first overall pick. Uh, Cole Anthony, you know, with UNC, still you know some decent pedigree. And then you know, Jed Howard. Uh, it's his, with his, with his dad, uh, and then uh, with Anthony. Pedigree. Yeah, that's his pedigree. You know, not you know, played for his dad, but uh, and then you know, coach's son is you know is something I don't know. Jalen Jalen Hurts was in the Super Bowl, so who knows? But uh, and then uh, uh, and then uh, who is the last? Anthony Black as well. Uh, you know, really good big guy. Uh, the tangibles are there for sure. Um, and so there, it's a talented, talented group of guards, and I, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on who is going to be fitting best with their established cornerstones for the next couple of years. And it seems like all of Black's strengths and weaknesses kind of overlap with Sugg's strengths and weaknesses, too. So felt yeah. like that pick was more of a replacement than maybe a guy to add to it but this definitely feels like a make or break year for him it feels like if he if it's not there it feels like if you're another team you could probably swoop in and get him at a pretty good deal because it'll it's only his third year so you're looking at yeah. year four after that still a young guy but we need to see it the last thing we were in agreement on was short the mike dunleavy stock if you can get the shorts on mike dunleavy New GM for the Warriors do it. I guess you're more selling on Chris Paul, or I guess you're shorting Chris Paul too. You're gonna, you're gonna. Yeah, make, yeah, make, he was one of our players. But I'm, I'm shorting Dunleavy specifically the front office. Yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, I mean, it's here's the thing. I don't think Mike Dunleavy really has any options. I mean, we saw Bob Myers kind of, you know, leave for a reason, and it's just because this team is so stuck in their ways. They, um, they, uh, they have this really set way of what they want to do um, in terms of their keeping their championship guys, kind of their veterans. And you know, I don't think Dunleavy really has any other options now. Could he have drafted Cam Whitmore for sure? But they just, I mean, they kind of just wanted, I guess, the, the guy they drafted in the California kid, you know, nearby guy. They probably met him beforehand and, you know, they, they got good vibes from him. And it's just, they, they're just in the run it back mode, you know. And um, for some reason, I guess they think they're still light years ahead with this strategy. But uh, we'll see. It's going to obviously catch up with them. 
And I think Chris Paul is going to be one of the biggest first signs of that where you can't just bring in someone and uh, think it's all good and dandy. I mean, even Draymond is having issues with him, which we'll talk about later. But, I, I you know, it, I don't know how much you put on Dunleavy. Um, I mean, he's going along with it. But at the same time, you know, if, if I was, you know, the GM of the Warriors and I just got all my decisions from Lacob, I'd do it too. Um, so... It's just, it's just kind of what you do. So, I mean, I think there's a big reason. I think that's a huge reason why Bob Myers left. I think, you know, he might have, we've already mentioned, I think he had a hand in the video getting released of, of Jordan Poole getting punched. And I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's not his fault, poor guy, but he is part of it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's a, he's a puppet. He's a... Yeah, he's for a sure. Puppet, Muppet, Muppet Dunleavy? Puppet, puppet. Muppet Dunleavy, he might have to start going going by that. And I, you know, like if you're saying, I mean, you're telling him what to do. Yeah. Like you're saying, hey, we need to get off the Jordan Poole contract. But was Chris Paul the guy that exactly gone out and got for Jordan Poole? I, I don't know. So I'm shorting the Mike Dunleavy stock. But now let's let's get into a little bit more of the portfolio here. And this is a guy. I don't have a lot of stock in this guy, but his stock is at an all-time low right now. And part of me is kind of wanting to buy in a little bit. Mm. Call me crazy, but I've been staring down some Ben Simmons stock lately. Oh and my there goodness. Was, there was that whole drama with, when back when he was in Philly and he was going to get traded, there were some talks that maybe San Antonio was the place. Could he get traded to the Spurs? And I think there was already some rumblings of Wembenyama at that point. So the Spurs weren't going to mess that up, but it was floated out there. So just in case I went ahead and bought up some Ben Simmons stock, got a little bit invested. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier with, Guys that actually just have the capability to control the pace of a game, Ben Simmons can do that. And especially in transition, like his control, his vision, his intangibles, those are just things you can't coach. Those are special talents. And the Brooklyn situation is starting to look favorable. Like they kind of have the guys that you'd want to have around him wings and shooters and size and defense. So I'm not saying like I buy the Ben Simmons stock. He fully bounces back as number one guy, cornerstone franchise type guy. But in terms of like, hey, could he be a guy that's valuable to a team again, a productive player? You know, I don't, do we want to say, is he going to be an all star again, all NBA? I don't know. But double digit points, you know, I've, 15, 8, and 8. I, I, don't, I don't know what the stat line is, but should I... should Just tell me not to do it. Tell me to stay away from the Ben Simmons stock. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. There was a moment I kind of looked at it. You know, I was just like kind of peeking over at it. But let's see here. I'm trying to pull up a stat. Yeah, so he did play, obviously, earlier this year. But it's just, it's just rough. Um, I, I like, you know, putting stock in players who actually play basketball. And so his just not playing is just uh, something that I cannot get over. 
Um, with him, it's just inconsistency, like we mentioned beforehand. Uh, let's see here. So this last year, he played 42 games, started 33. Um, 2021, he played 58 games. And 2020, he played 57 games. He has not played over 57 games since 2019. So, you know, I mean, he played, yeah, 2020, I guess not, not over, not 50, not over 58 games. Yeah, 58 games since 2019. So, you know, it's, it's just, we know it's the same thing with Ben Simmons over and over. He has the talent. He just got to actually play games. He's got to stay healthy. And, you know, he's got to do what he needs to for his mental health. And he's someone who has clearly shown that he likes looking cool on the sideline than playing. And, you know, it's it's nothing nothing against the team. It's just him and, you know, how he works. And until I see him actually play and be out there, you know, we're not buying that stock. Or it's just not happening. It's got to, you know, you got to actually show up to work. I'm not going to sit here and say Ben Simmons, like, committed to the team last year. But I've. I was a little shocked that he played 41 games. That was a lot higher than I remember him playing. He played half the season last year. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even, uh, just, it just went by. Didn't even notice. Durant played, how many games did he play last year? Let me see. 47 games. Played six less games than KD. Yeah, I don't, I mean, more games, played more games than Zion last year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but like Zion could be a all-time great player though, and also it's been you know less up. It was just I don't know with Ben Simmons. Like we know how messy it was. It's just it's a whole mess, and it's it's uh yeah, it's kind of a roller coaster with him. I just not a fan, not a fan of it at all. Bridges um, has been gassing him up in the off season. Like if I'm just like, could Ben Bridges Simmons is gassing everyone up? Could Ben Simmons be the third best player on this team? And could it make sense? Ben Simmons, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton. He's the fourth best player on this team. Yeah. I think I don't... there's something there. I think the Brooklyn team is kind of a good position for him in terms of fit, in terms of mm-hmm. the basketball talent around him. And Bridges, it's just, can I buy as many stocks as associated to Bridges as I can? I mean, I already have all the Bridges stocks. <laughs> can I get can I get the other stocks around him? I think there's a part of me that says Ben Simmons is going to have a good season. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a little under the table dealing while you're not looking. And uh, yeah, I know that's what I'm hearing. Get Ben Simmons stock, but who's who? Who do you need advice on, Sam? Let's get into those books. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, Sam Reddish in there. Now, so I was hearing some of your talk about Scotty Barnes. I know he's had a rough season this last year but um are we really gonna short him is this is this legit are we really gonna be out on scotty barnes i mean um i i you know he's a player that i've you know really liked his rookie season he had a rough season last year but you know we're still we're still in on him so why uh why should i get rid of him why should or why should we sell his stock I, he won rookie of the year in a season where Cade had a really good rookie year and Evan Mobley had a really good rookie year as well. And I think just as best, like we, I think we'd both rather have Mobley and Cade over Scotty Barnes. But I mean, you looked at yeah. Scotty Barnes number numbers, his rookie season and was like, okay, he is on the page with these guys. There's a size thing with him. 
uh, creation thing with him. Do you think he's like, is he in that Ben Simmons mold? Like one of the reasons yeah. that the Siakam thing was interesting to me, the deal with, because I'm again, the Raptors have been teetering in this sort of middle range the whole time. If Scotty Barnes just has the ball and his playmaking and their shooters around him, like they brought in Grady Dick, Ananobi is showing that he can, you know, be have some real consistency from the three-point line. There's a two-way thing there with him as well. And you know, if hypothetically they were to bring in a guy like Hero, but just those guys, like, does Scotty Barnes just need the ball a, a little bit more and kind of just need to take over as the lead playmaker? I mean, with this team, it's just, I mean, that would be nice if they could get rid of Siakam uh, and make him the number one option. I think it was a little bit hard for him to really grow. Um, I also had the frame from Bleat is also gone. So we could see his That's stats true. really improve this next season. Um, we, could, we really see him take that next jump. And I think, you know, him as a playmaker um, and, you know, as a big kind of forward, really good defender still. Uh, it's he just needs to really improve his shooting, but I still think I'm not moving my stock on him. I wouldn't obviously necessarily buy more, but I definitely mm. I like I like kind of for his stats and projections. I do like the moves that the team is making. You know, putting him in a position to have a bigger role to really grow. And if you were having you know OG Ananobi at at the shooting guard. So you have Schroeder, who's known as kind of an off-ball kind of guy. OG Ananobi as a shooting guard. And then you have Barnes as that small forward, Siakam at power forward, and Pirtle at center. I mean, Scotty Barnes essentially becomes their main playmaker, uh, especially with Fred VanVleet gone, you know. And pretty much, yeah, the best playmaker on that team. Uh, Schroeder is not really a super playmaker, but he's still, you know, he's someone who can uh, orchestrate an he offense. But Yeah, he can handle the ball, but... Um, so I'm kind of in on Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, it was a kind of rough this last year and he really needs to improve that shooting. So, you know, but if during the season, you know, he goes off, I'm, I'm really going to be buying that stock. So my, my broker's really watching that stock. And the second it starts going up, we're, we're all in, we're jumping, we're getting on the train. You're right. Maybe I jumped the gun a little bit with the Siakam trade talk because Van Fleet, like this team was 41 and 41 last year. They were a yeah. 500 team they missed the playoffs like losing van fleet is not going to be that much of a catastrophe when it comes to the wins and losses record i don't think like if if it goes bad their their pick is protected to san antonio so if it starts to sour in any way i think we'll see them pull the plug siakam will go they'll make the moves like they're not going to be 39 37 a 36 win team like they're going to be either a top six worst team, or they're going to try to be in the playoffs. So the Van Fleet Ewing theory, I just, and like clearing, clearing the way for a ball handler, giving Scotty Barnes the ball. Like I was saying, having a, bringing in a shooter, putting around him, Masai Ujiri, man, who knew Masai Ujiri, uh, kind of killing it over there. As I know the GM. So, I have stock, you know, Cade stock, Mobley stock from that draft class. There's a lot of stock from those guys out of that 21 class, but I do worry. It's like, hey, the, somebody has to fall behind here. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's not Scotty Barnes. 
this is so this is a guy in my books and i feel like feel like people are kind of low on him right now and again he's just he's a i feel like he's a good player he's valuable he's a guy that could be one of the five guys on the court at the end of a playoff game the defensive impact he's had for his team has been real the last couple of years like when Jared Allen has been on the court for the Cleveland Cavs, they've had the number one defense in the league. The back line with him and Mobley has been effective. And, you know, the, the playoff thing, like, if you pull up the box score for his last couple of playoff games against the Knicks, they're they're not good. Uh, Single-digit rebounds. He The defensive impact was not there. But I'm pretty sure he was playing hurt during that series as well. Like, am I wrong? Was Jared Allen hurt during the playoffs? Like, is that... The, um i don't know i thought he was playing all of them I, he was playing but i mean like i feel like i feel like he was playing injured so i don't know if he was uh up to his full potential in that series and oh yeah of the teams that are like of the teams that are like whose regular season and postseason numbers are going to look way different like the Cavs being the best defensive team in the league you know in the postseason those mm-hmm. numbers are probably going to settle down a little bit. But, I mean, Mobley and Allen. Mobley's one of the best defenders in the league. Allen, that pairing, that duo is... That defensive impact is real. I feel like people are more out on Allen than in. But I have Allen stuck, and I, I, I still feel good about it. Yeah, I don't know. I think with Allen, I get his value. Um, but I think he's properly valued. I think he's a, he's a player that... You know, I don't know if people are really overhyping him. Like you mentioned, kind of people are out after this last playoff series. But he does have some serious limitations offensively. And, you know, his defensive impact is very noticeable when you watch the games. You can see whether he's in and out of there, Um, especially with Mobley and his how um, the build of Mobley. You know, he's not really a big guy and needing that rim protection that Allen is really valuable for. But... You know, in terms of, you know, getting a stock at good value, he's just, he's kind of properly valued, maybe even a little overvalued, especially with that um, James Harden trade. Uh, I think, yeah, that's how he got into Cleveland, I'm pretty sure. So I think with with that trade and everyone's like, oh my gosh, how you could get Jared Allen in this trade? So I, I think... I think he's properly valued and probably loved around the league. And, you know, the pro is he's ready to always try and take on whoever is barreling down the paint uh, to for a dunk. And, you know, he's a, he's a really fun player to watch. But, um, yeah, he's not a player that, you know, I bought too much stock in just because of the value. You know, I mean, we still respect him around the league. Um, you know, I still yeah. think he's a good player. It's just and not nothing gets him. It's just. Yeah, not really. Our assets could be better used elsewhere. I, I, that's that's fair. That's fair. The last three playoff games, eight points a game, four rebounds a game over those last three games. Five rebounds, four rebounds, four rebounds. Game one though, he had fourteen points, fourteen rebounds. Game two, nine points, ten rebounds, three blocks. So I think he was playing well. I think if he's healthy, that series that becomes a lot more interesting the knicks were a bad matchup for the caps like in the regular season as well too they were kind of getting the better of them so it wasn't totally shocking that they ended up beating them in the playoffs i think the way that series turned around at the end though and them kind of just taking over was the more surprising part so am i am i doing the right thing do i need to do i need to buy sell hold what do I do with my Jared Allen stock? Am I good just sitting on it for now? 
Um, I think. I don't know. I think you could sell it. I, I don't know. I think okay. you could. I'm kind of in sell. I think he has sell mode for Jared um, Allen. Yeah, I think he's gotten enough enough love around the league that you could probably get some good value. And I don't really see him really improving um, as a as a player. I don't really see him going. You know, really taking another crazy level um, in terms of growth. I mean, he's still a young player, but there's not really any signs of greatness unlike the player and one of the players that he had to go up against in that series who i have i gotta find out your stock on him because i don't know we're we're considering buying some shares up of this player um, okay. on the knicks young guy kind of coming off the bench emmanuel quickly mm. had a very interesting season this last year um he has he played his second or third year in the league um up to after a little dip last year um this past season he upped his scoring you know career high in uh scoring and points uh started seven times more games than he did his uh, past two years he only started three games the last two years uh in each of those seasons 21 and in this last year played 81 games played more minutes but and got you know more shots, but his field goal percentage went up by five percent. Uh, his three point percentage went up by three percent. Uh, you know, effective field goal rating went up by four percent. Uh, he did take a little bit of dip from on the free throw line, but uh, better score this last year and being put into positions to win. He also had you know some great performances. Um, Emmanuel quickly this last season was the first Knicks player with 40 points, five assists, and 75% shooting in a game since Nate Robinson in 2010. He's the fifth ever Knicks player to do that, including regular season and the playoffs. And, you know, and we know the Knicks are a storied franchise. So, you know, and he played, and that was all in 30 minutes as well. So, it's he's been a player you know me i gotta see the flashes of greatness you know you gotta see that ceiling gotta see that consistency going into his fourth year and uh i don't know i'm, I'm kind of in we're kind of buying stock you know with jalen brunson is definitely the the poster child for that team but could emmanuel quickly take that spot as the third best third option maybe even the second option dare i say if they get rid of julius reno who knows what happens with him i you know we've we've i, I you know we sold i never bought stock of him and we i double triple anyway. check with a broker we had zero stock of him um but could emmanuel quickly really you know take that next step this next season with you know some of the stats showing really great signs of progress the stats for the regular season, the playoff stats for quickly 34% from the field, 24% from three. He has been though in his rookie season, 39% from three, 37% from three this last season, almost 40%. Was that combined? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This last, this last play wasn't horrible though. Was, well, it was horrible from field, but I, I don't know. It says 41% effective field goal rating. So for effective field goal, percent. yeah. Yeah. Uh, not probably, great. Not great. Not, but, uh, not ideal. But, but zero starts. Zero starts. He's great when he starts. Game, so, you know. 
That is true. The starting the starting bench splits for him are pretty noticeable. Are you how do you how would you compare him to Maxi? Because to me, these guys are kind of similar in terms mm. of you know play style impact. Are does even, Tyrese is, is definitely a lot more consistent of a player. Um, he definitely scores more in general, and I think he yeah he's he's definitely a much better bet. Um, you know, than uh, quickly. Because yeah, I think he yeah he had twenty points a game this last season. Um, Quickly for his career as a starter is twenty two points a game, twenty two five and five. Forty seven percent from the field, forty percent from the three. So when he comes off the bench for his career, forty three percent from the field, thirty five percent from three. Always interesting. Uh, yeah when guys can't flip that role around because it seems like it's a great role for him there on that team. And it, you can play him and Barrett and quickly together. Like you can play those three guys because quickly has quickly is a really good defender. I believe the 538 ranking on quickly was pretty high this year, especially just amongst backcourt guys and Barrett's defensive upside is there as well too. So those three yeah. guys can fit together. Uh, Randall at the four, you fit one of the guys. Robinson in. or someone there. Yeah, you fit, fit one of the guys, and it's a five. You Are you in? Work. You know, guys, that there is just a level of score where he is a good defender. So the the defensive thing with him is the thing that I have to keep remind, reminding myself of in terms of his player value because I don't think Maxi is the individual defender that quickly is but maxi's giving you a lot more on the offensive side better though. shooter like, for sure he, ha better. he has to create his own shots yeah much better shooter probably a uh, much more explosive too just in mm -hmm. terms of getting getting to the rim blowing past guys i would i wouldn't advise against buying emmanuel quickly stock if you're sitting here and telling me you have it but i'm going i'm in my portfolio and i don't believe i have any quickly stock so we might have to deep we might have to look into the advanced numbers and see how they stack up against some of these other guys but again like the skill set that he's displayed the impact that he had this year i'm not telling you not to do it i just saying i don't have any in my portfolio right now yeah no we're definitely keeping an eye on it um it's definitely yeah because i i think the team they can't they can't keep running it back with randall and those shots got to go somewhere. I mean, they're going to run it back with Randall this next season, but long term, it is kind of questionable what they'll do with him. Um, Barrett has just been so inconsistent that, you know, I think if Quickly can really prove himself as a, you know, a young star, as someone who can be someone as not just a backup option, but a serious starter, then, um, you know, it, and they actually give him those starting roles. Who knows um, how far he'll go, but. It's definitely a good sign from this last year and someone who people are kind of sleeping on, especially with the, which, I mean, you know, Brunson deserves all the credit he's getting, but, you know, someone who's getting lost in the limelight. Quickly was, quickly was eighth on the Knicks in playoff PER behind Julius Randle, behind Randle in playoff true shooting percentages. I don't know. Maybe I want to stay away from the quickly numbers. They're not. They're not being favorable, but 
the regular season was was it was encouraging for him. He was in the six man of the the year conversation. So the fact that the fact that like coming off the bench is not even ideal for him, but he's still one of the better guys in the league at doing it has to say something about his ability. I guess I just I wonder how they clean up that fit there if maximizing him is in a starting role. Because guys that guys other guys that have kind of done the quickly thing, like Ginobili, for example, even Harden and OKC guys that were six men but were on the court at the end of games, they still excelled as reserves. Like when they came off the bench, yeah. they still played well. So why are Quickly's numbers not as good compared to when he's a starter? But he is still good. Like he is still a impactful mm. six man for this team. So it seems like they're maybe is some interesting stuff with the fit there that if they could figure out how to work that on off thing, that would be really valuable to this team. Because I do think that those three guys, even though they're guards and even though quickly and Brunson are a little smaller, I do think all three of those guys could work together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely, uh, we could see. Yeah. Even if it's a smaller lineup, um, they're still, I mean, they're not, I think. And they have heart there too too now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just run it out there. DiVincenzo, Bronson, Hart, Barrett, and quickly just just run out a really small ball five. But uh, yeah, I. Yeah. Randall behind. An interesting, interesting person to keep an eye on. Did you have anyone else on your list? Anyone else you wanted to throw out there? We maybe we go. I had like one or two. Rapid fire. Yeah, we can go rapid fire. fire. In or out. In, out, or stay, I guess. Uh, Yeah, let me know. I've seen this guy on the market as well, too. I don't have any stock, but I looked at his numbers from last year, and they were a little better than I thought. Colin Sexton, do I buy or do I just keep it moving? Um... 14 points a game last year. and uh, He's a guy now who was coming off the bench for... I'm going to stop saying it that way. A guy who was... The guy who they had playing off the bench, a guy who was a reserve for the Utah Jazz, 48 games last year, 14 points a game, 50% from the field, 39% from three. So the percentages from Colin Sexton last year were kind of underrated if he's a six-man role. Like Keontae George and Abaji are the young guys, the quote-unquote future backboard there. But I don't know. Colin Sexton, what do I do? Shout out to Jayhawk. You know, we always show love to him. But uh, Sexton, I'd, I'd stay put. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy more. Just because we've seen him as the guy um, when he was with the Cavs. Now he was younger. Not nearly as um, experienced as he is now. But, you know, we, he's been given that chance. And, you know, NBA people looked at him and were like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about all this, you know. So I, if he's already been given that chance, it's kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't really want to buy a lot more stock. But it is, uh, he's kind of a boomer bust kind of guy. Um, the effort is always there. But we'll, we'll have to see. I, I'd say stay. You know, I wouldn't buy more. I wouldn't sell it because there is a chance it could happen. You know, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, he could take a step back as he is. I think he's he's in his definitely in his early thirties, right? Thirty three is my guess. Thirty one. Okay, okay. So he's still, he'll still be cooking this next year, but um, yeah. I I I would say probably stay. 
Um, what about John Collins on this roster? I don't know. I might be mm. selling some of that stock. When you look at how many big men this right team move. has, the the shots that they're going to be, you know, like we mentioned Kelly Olenek, um, you know, is a solid guy. But uh, Lauren Markkinen and Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler might take that next step on this team. Um, and, uh, you know, Post it's definitely... <laughs> Shout out Taylor Horton Tucker. But um, he's just, I mean, over the last couple of years, I've been kind of selling the stock on him. And now him coming to this team, I don't really know how he's going to fit with this lineup. Not really a shooter. Kind of, I mean, he kind of just does what Markinen does, just not as good. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, he's still a talented guy, but I just don't understand it on this team. I don't, I don't like it. Marketing can fit with a lot of people too. So in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, could him and marketing and Kessler, like, could that actually work in theory? Yeah. I think you could run those guys out there. Marketing's versatile. His floor spacing is going to be beneficial next to anybody, but they did draft Taylor Hendricks as well too. So I know there was some stuff with him in summer league. We didn't get to see him play. He was dealing with some injuries Hopefully mm-hmm. that's not the kind of thing that happens during his rookie year and he doesn't get to play. Maybe they're just throwing John Collins as the veteran in that role. But I mean, ideally mm-hmm. it's Walker Kessler, Taylor Hendricks or Walker Kessler, Lowry Market. Oh, Taylor Hendricks. Hendricks. That's who was bringing, as, yeah. yeah. As your, as, as your front court guy, that that's what you want. Ideally, you're not going to play John Collins at shooting. Very some point. Obviously you got Keontae George there, Sexton, the rotation they do. There's a lot of guys on this jazz team that, are going to need minutes. So I'm going to, what did they even get for John Collins anyways? Because I remember when they did that, it was a salary dump, but it's not like they were getting a ton to take on his salary. So my guess is he, you know, I hope, I mean, I don't know if he gets buried on this team, but again, there's just, there's a lot of guys. And if they're playing to their full potential, I just really love Taylor Hendricks. I think. Yeah. Peak Taylor Hendricks, the skill set that he brings, that that fits really well next to Marketing. There's a lot of versatility there, a lot of floor spacing, and uh, they got they got a second round pick for trading for John Collins. So I don't know if they're planning on flipping him into something else, but that is quite the salary dump for Atlanta. And yeah. we'll see if he gets dumped even further down the bench here in Utah. I, I agree with you, Sam. Selling's the right move. Yeah. Taylor Hendricks is the main player I was looking at to take that spot and take some of those minutes. But, uh, yeah, definitely a better defender, I feel like, and probably a better fit with this team. So, yeah, tough, tough, tough. Um, Are we going to get one last push from our Seth Curry stock? Because I know you got Seth Curry stock as well. He's had a run on the Mavericks. Luca and Kyrie are there. I guess did we want him to go to a team where he was going to be like this important? Because I feel like there's a world where he's really important for this team. The veteran presence that he has, like we saw him with Embiid, was kind of like their second option on offense almost with how they were running okay. things. Him as the perimeter player, and it, they don't have the big to run that stuff with him there in Dallas. It's perimeter players. It's Doncic, it's Kyrie. So I think I think Seth Curry could have a good season for the Mavericks. I just don't know if that situation was the most ideal for him to go to. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely. I'm trying to think. Wait, which player were you mentioning? Sorry, Top I just three. saw the Travis Kelsey punch videos. <laughs> kind of wild. Man, Are you just seeing the news about it for the first yeah, time? Yeah, this is this is crazy. What do you guys chill? Wait, is this breaking news to you? Because I saw this this morning. I think this came out. Oh, this morning. okay. I mean, but he texted it. Live? He just tweeted about it at 10:29 a.m. Did so he you're right, it is this morning. Yeah, he was like, "Got to be a better teammate, better leader." But um, yeah, no, like you mentioned with um, one more time. Wait, I don't Seth know. Curry. Travis Kelsey punched me. It feels like uh, Seth Curry. Uh, he uh, he. No, definitely with him coming back to the Mavs, that is interesting. Um, with that with that role, I would have liked to see him stay with the 76ers. I think that's where he was best used in terms of his talents. Um, it's definitely him with him with Embiid. It seemed like there was a really good pairing there. And it really, you know, expanded his game as a playmaker, as a shooter. And now with the Babs, he's just going to kind of be confined to the corner, which is sad. I mean, he's he's got so much more talent. He's much better than just a shooter in the corner. Um, and hopefully they can, maybe he can lead the bench unit um maybe i don't know i mean yeah this Kyrie situation is kind of a mess so i don't <laughs> you kind of have to start him but yeah maybe if i mean yeah it's just gonna make their lineup a lot smaller if you do have him in the closing minutes but you kind of have to uh you kind of have to have him at that three three spot and uh it's not it's not great not great for him um that doesn't mean we're selling any stock but I mean, it's just he's just gonna not look as great as you could have in other situations, um, on other teams, and I just hope he doesn't get blamed for it because I am a big fan of Seth Curry. Let's see here, right now, yeah, they have Tim Hardaway Jr. starting over him. That's another thing. If you have, I mean, this is a, gonna be a really small lineup for this team unless Derek Lively really, you know, plays out of his mind because you're gonna have Dodge, oh, you're gonna have Kyrie. You're going to have probably Seth Curry over Hardaway Jr. starting those last minutes. And then you have Grant Williams and Dwight Powell. You know, Kleber instead. You know, unless you put JaVale McGee over Dwight Powell, I guess. I guess JaVale McGee is your starting five for uh, that option. So it's not not great in size, and I think that's why they brought in Lively. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can really – really develop into the player that people had him projected to be when he came to Duke. Uh, I think he only played, what was it, five games, ten games, something like that. He did. He got injured really Lively? early on. Yeah. I think he played. I think I thought he got injured, though. I think he got injured. There was some stuff early on, but, mm -hmm. I mean, he was there for the back half of the season. He was there. I'm pretty sure he was there for the tournament. He was definitely there for the North Carolina game, for sure, because that's the game where yeah. he I don't know like if he's there for the tournament. blocks really popped off 34 yeah 34 games played this past year for Derek Lively. Oh, okay 27 okay, so i guess he was playing yeah shout out so yeah he was playing and um yeah he was i guess he was playing regularly but um yeah i definitely unless he really performs well this next year um it's gonna be they're gonna be undersized and for a team that's you know unless they're not gonna play great defense in seth curry and um Kyrie and in um and in Doncic so it's yeah it's it's not a great situation for Curry not a great situation for the Mavs 
And it's kind of sad to see another year of Luca wasted, but that's probably what's going to happen. And hopefully not another year of Seth Curry wasted because he is sneaky, a little bit older than you would think too. So might be kind of like his last push to be an impact guy. He was already fading last year. The defense He's getting getting attacked a little bit, but I think he is just one of the five best players on the Mavs. Mm-hmm. So, like you're saying, by default of that, you kind of have to have him out on the court. But they just to come to this team where they don't have the rest of the guys around, where it necessarily complements your skills the best. Yeah. Uh, interesting free agent decision here for Seth Curry. Is there any other any other advice you need? How are you feeling about your books right now? Is well, how are you feeling about Travis Kelsey? Seeing that reacting to that live. I mean, yeah. he, did, he did did apologize. Didn't do the Draymond. I mean, I guess Draymond eventually apologized, but Travis Kelsey's on top of it from that respect. But didn't punch I mean, he someone. He did Draymond who, Green. He did Draymond Green. This guy. He didn't punch someone who was integral to the team. Like it wasn't like you know he was oh, punching Juan Thornhill or like. You know, Juan Thornhill's gone. Jones or something. Yeah, yeah. Juan Thornhill's gone. <laughs> so come back, come back. Um, but Chris Jones or like you know someone that actually really really mattered. So he I don't. Punched his, yeah. He punched his sub. You're like, who cares? He punched his sub. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it was a preseason game. They have so many guys on the roster. It's just you know, I don't. I don't yeah, I don't think they have to finalize their 53 man for a little bit here. So. Um, I think it was like one of those spring game um, games. And uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't look like that big of a punch. I was just shocked, you know, kind of kind of surprised. But uh, I mean, you know, he is kind of he is kind of a a wild card. Um, But yeah, I mean, it wasn't like Nick Bolton or something. It was so. Well, I don't know. I'm not too worried. But um, what's the. Who's the best player he could have punched where you would... If he punched Clyde, would you have been upset? If he punched, like, Legereus Sneed, I'd be like, eh. Yeah, Sneed's good. Yeah, like, he's, he's, really, he's really good. He's probably our best secondary player. Um, Yeah, or Chris Jones. At that point, he's probably getting knocked out himself, which, you know... I mean, Is Chris Jones even man. there to be punched right now? Pay him. No, he's being held, held up right now. He's <laughs> on that. Pay him. Golly, we got to have some superstars on our team. You know, the last teammate, the last time this happened on a team, that team was a team that was contending for a title and unraveled because of chemistry issues. You're playing this off pretty cool. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I wasn't. I was in a daze when I saw the the clip. (laughs) I needed needed to repeat like five times what was going on. Um, But I don't know. We'll see if he addresses it on his own podcast. Um, Shout out to He's doing it for New the Heights. Yeah. Yeah. But uh thankfully no one was injured with that situation. But uh another AFC team is dealing with real injuries with their situation. Joe Burrow uh has a I think they said a strain, right? Left left calf strain um in practice. The video is released and there are the conspiracy theorists are out. Justin Herbert just got a monstrous contract and Burrow hasn't gotten his extension yet. So with Herbert resetting the market, it seems like some people are saying he won't be back um, to the team until they get that new contract. 
it did seem a little suspicious how good that camera angle was you know it, it immediately came out you know how we how seriously you know you got to think about the thinking behind the videos and they just had someone perfectly set up there he's clearly out in the clear so you know making sure no teammates get blamed you don't want anyone to get hate and he just you know kind of hobbles falls already has the sleeve you know i'm not saying anything was done on perfect purpose i'm just saying it is kind of suspicious but rem do you think he is going to try to use this as a bargaining chip the Bengals, you know I, well pretty much any nfl team is nothing without their quarterback you, i mean that's just how it is and you know the Bengals are really in position to have another monsters year you know there's some real questions with buffalo you know there was that little weird stefan diggs thing you know and then with mahomes can will he have a wide receiver to actually throw to with tony in and out um you know it's it's mahomes but beyond i mean Bengals have had their number most of the time till this last playoffs i mean they were the only team to beat mahomes three times in a row so you know they're they are the chiefs beaters so you know is it is it is it do you think joe burrow is gonna try to use his uh use the power to get the richest contract in nfl history I don't think Joe Burrow even needs leverage in this situation. I mean, he's Joe Burrow. Mahomes is obviously the number one quarterback in the league. I think Burrow is clearly the number two. He's the one guy who has gotten Mahomes' number. His impact, it's early on in the Burrow run. He's been there for, he's play, been there for, what, three seasons? But it's been two full seasons. He got hurt in his rookie year. Two full seasons for Burrow. In the Super Bowl, his first, the conference championship, his next. Again, they're the one team that has gotten the better of the Chiefs for the most part, didn't get them uh, last year. So he doesn't need to do anything to prove that or to convince the Bengals to pay him. The Bengals are going to pay him. I think it's more, you know, how does this fit with the rest of their guys? They have a lot of talent on this roster. A lot of free agents are coming up soon that they're going to need to take care of. So they're going to have to look about and figure out how they fit all this stuff into the salary cap, how they can keep around the, as much talent as possible. Can they keep the guys at the important positions that matter? You know, if anything, this is going to be like just at least he doesn't have to be out there risking himself for further injury he can sit out with this one. And from that standpoint, if he's once security before he's on the field, like he can leverage it in that way, but he's not going to need to leverage anything in terms of getting the money. Like Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is, is going to get the money from the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no question yeah. about that, but I, the conspiracy, like he, he may, he may be trying to at least save himself and preserve himself from further injury. I think Sam, are you just the tape doctor now? Reviewing the footage, I know. telling us what's going on. I think you're the tape doctor. It's First suspicious. Draymond, now Joe Burrow. I know. It is suspicious. It is really suspicious. And, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm kind of interested in how long the contract will be that they sign him with. Uh, Mahomes a has point. a 10-year. And, you know, it's another town, small town, that doesn't really have – yeah, doesn't have another pro sports team. Kansas City has several, but – you know, not nearly as popular as the Chiefs. And, 
you know, you, you got someone like that, a huge personality who has shown winning. He hasn't won the Super Bowl, obviously, but he has, you know, gone head-to-head with the best in the sport, being the kryptonite. And you have these young stars, and it's just, I mean, do you just lock him down? And it is interesting with those uh, longer deals that you're able to backload them. I mean, if you guarantee those, the contract, you're able to push off those higher costs when the cap will be higher and it'll be easier to eat the the salary. And um, it'll be, I think, I think that'd be a great deal for the team and for him. Now, the interesting thing is this is the third training camp in a row where Joe Burrow has had to sit out due to medical issues. First year was with the MC. Yeah, I think it might have been Terry because he was gone the rest of the season. But there's definitely some yeah. uh, straining going on. And then he had to be out last year because of appendicitis. Um, had to get his appendix uh, removed, which I can tell you from personal experience is something that just you can't you can't play around with that. You need you, you, when you got to get that done. It's it, it's um it's not good effects if you try to ignore that. And then this you year the surgery. Yes, yes, I yes I have. It is it is um it was definitely a last minute kind of thing, but it's definitely like if you let it in there, you can kind of like it'll it'll explode and then it'll like it'll release a lot of toxins, make your intestines like a lot more weaker and you can't eat certain foods and it, it's just downhill. But uh the but and then this year with the leg thing, you know, Joe Burrow has shown a history of being injury prone so that might be you know the pushback on whether to give him a 10-year deal now Mahomes has had some ankle issues dings and uh, you know some dings here and there but you know the peaks that he's reached are just unmatched so you know it's do you if you're the Bengals how many years are you putting on this contract because the longer you can put it the easier it makes it to eat the cost but at the same time Joe Burrow has started to show some consistent injury stuff over these last couple of years. I mean, it's it's definitely a quandary that I thankfully don't have to actually deal with, but it, it's got to be tough in that Bengals front office. If you're the Bengals front office, though, the it, team building just becomes way easier if you have your quarterback locked down for 10 years. Like That's the reason Mahomes did the contract was to commit to Kansas City to say, hey, I'm the guy, but to also give them that flexibility to know what they're working with from the long term. So from the front office standpoint, I think the long contract would actually be a good move. Again, even with the injury history, like his impact is almost unmatched outside of Mahomes for the start of his career, the two full seasons that Joe Burrow has put together and the playoff runs that he's put together. He's worth, he is worth every penny. And he's one of the few quarterbacks that can be a Super Bowl, like carry a team to a Super Bowl level quarterback. So from a team building perspective, yes, I think committing the long dollar amount to him would be the right move. I think it's the other way around, though. Like, should Joe Burrow take a long deal? Like, is that commitment good? Mm. Say, hey, just get the big bag all at once, take it all, or... With his injury history, like, he has the injury history, but he also came into the league a little bit older as well, too. He's already 26 years old. He's going to be 27 this year. So, what, he'll be 28 before he plays that first year on that new contract? So, if that's a 10-year deal, 
he'll be 38 before he hits free agency again. So with his injury history and age, do you think he would want to hit free agency for a second time or lock it all down, get the long-term deal and just take the bag all at once? Yeah, I think if you're him, you got to take the bag. And that's just due to the violent nature of football. You know, you never know the one hit the certain week could just end your end your career or end make it seriously um, worse. So I think just because of the violent nature and because of his medical issues that he has shown consistently, I think you got to take that contract if it's given to you. Um, you just take that guaranteed money. And, you know, there are some arguments. Oh, could they get more later on? Well, they can restructure deals all the time. And um, so it's it, it happens all the time. So I think I think if you get that 10 year you know deal, you're not really looking to go anywhere else. You know, with the NFL, there isn't really there is as of late. There has been a lot more quarterback movement. But for the all-time players in their prime, they almost always stay with the same team. Aaron Rodgers, most of his prime. I mean, yes, he was back-to-back MVP the last couple of years. But most of his physical prime with the Packers, Tom Brady, almost, you know, only like, what, two, three years outside of the Patriots. Um, and then, you know, almost every other, you know, all-time great, their whole prime is with one team. So, uh, you know, it's definitely with with the with the quarterbacks. It's it's rare that they move to other teams while they're still good. And with the you know Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, with the options that they have on this team, that it doesn't make sense for him. I don't think he would want to go anywhere else anyway. He has Jamar Chase, um, and that that connection has continued to work in the league um, from college. So I I'm all in in on 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 uh, the Burrow taking this contract. I'm just don't know if I'm all in on the Bengals giving it, you know, maybe a five year, really? six year deal, but For not Joe a Burrow? ten year, not a ten year. I don't know if I'm giving ten years. It looks like you can push that up a year even too. So I was wrong. So he'll be he'll be 27 this year. Mm-hmm. Next year will be the fifth year option. So the Bengals obviously exercise that fifth year option, mm-hmm. pay him uh, 25, 25 million. So he'll be 29. As an mm-hmm. unrestricted free agent. And 29? Wow. 29 years old before he gets... That'll be his first NFL contract. So, that's what I'm saying. From Joe Burrow's perspective, if there's a possibility you could hit free agency two times, get a big paycheck once, and remember, the quarterback market, we know how it escalates every offseason and how these guys get paid. Hitting it for a second time and trying to get another pay deal. If you're the Bengals and you can lock, lock this guy down for 10 years and say, hey... Our team is set. We have our guy. We know what we're going to do. And they like they brought in Orlando Brown this year already, so they have an offensive lineman there on the books. They kind of have some pieces in place already for the long term. I think if you're a team and you can get your quarterback to commit for as long as possible, I personally think you do that. I just I like the way the Mahomes thing has played out. And if you have a, a we'll, I'll, we'll say a Mahomes-level impact guy, I think you have to follow suit if you're an organization and at least try to see if you could get him to do that. I don't know if Joe Burrow would do that, but the or from an organizational standpoint, I think commitment from your quarterback is a top priority. That's interesting. So you're you're against it as Joe Burrow's side, and I'm against it as the organization side. So that's kind of interesting there. But undisputed, I... what is this? Yeah, I know, I know. Go. Skip. Yeah, you gotta let me talk, yep. Skip. Yeah, skip. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I don't, you know, 39 year old quarterback. I don't, you know, who knows? I, I it's I definitely, mean, if you do that and you go, Hey, you know, even if he, those last couple of years, like if you're probably you're have to, to say, restructure it, yeah. Yeah, if you're willing to say he may not be a peak level guy, but you're still what are you gonna pay ten years of Joe Burrow for eight for six? I think just the commitment, the time, and maybe that's an eight. What what do you want to do? An eight year contract instead of a ten? Like how? how I mean, like, Mahomes might be just an outlier because he kind of is an outlier. And there is a there, there is a very very good there is a very very good chance that he is. I'm just saying, if you're a front office, I would be interested in pursuing deals like that because of the stability that has given it to the Kansas city chiefs. Like it's, they're, they're the, they're the model organization right now. And the way they run things are, I think teams should look at that and try to copy that as much as possible. I guess, except for the punching the teammates, it's yeah, already starting. So. To, it's falling apart in Kansas city. So maybe I'm wrong, but I would I still mean, be trying to model myself after them. Yeah. But I mean, we're starting to see like with the Patriots where if you have, and you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, you can do get away with a lot of stuff, get away with a lot of mistakes. And now exactly. they don't have him, and it's kind of uh, on full display. So, you know, with Joe Burrow, if it wasn't like every single year there's something, you know, and with Mahomes, there has been a little bit of that, but he, he wasn't really missing time. Like he was having like, ankle stuff, you know, his play dipped a bit, which made him just, you know, still above average to still, I mean, consistently winning. Um, even with the injuries, but there wasn't like serious ACL, you know, out for the whole season stuff. And with Joe Burrow consistently having time missed or not really time missed, but having, um, you know, an appendicitis, you know, that's, that's a little, you know, that's a little ticky tacky, but you know, still having injury. Yeah, exactly. But that having that ACL and then this with the, with the calf is a little bit worrying. And, um, you know, those are, those are injuries that just don't go away. I mean, the ankle one, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of heals itself. Ankles, you know, we have all had our turn ankles and been fine. But, you know, that's a, those are, you know, with your calf and stuff like that, that's stuff that tends to pop up during the season. And, you know, I don't, it's, and then his age as well. I mean, he is, he did come into the league pretty old. I think they were mentioning, you know, already older than Lamar, stuff like that. And um, so committing to that as well, you know, I don't, I don't know if you really want to give, that huge, that long of a contract. That, the, how much you're paying him, that's, you know, you just give him the farm. You're not, I mean, who else are you going to give the money to? But uh, in terms of length is the main main thing. I'd be like, eh, I don't know, maybe five, six years, but who knows? I guess we'll agree to disagree there. I wouldn't do this with every guy either. Like Lamar's yeah. a perfect example. I don't, in a, we we said in the in the moment from the very beginning, pay Lamar what he's worth. But I don't know if I would offer Lamar a 10-year deal yeah. as a player. You know, I don't yeah, you know, I, I think the five-year deal as the highest paid quarterback in the league for him is good. I don't think I would have ever offered Aaron Rodgers a five-year deal. Josh Allen? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Joe Burrow is the only other quarterback in the league that I would actually offer that length of a deal to. But he is he is on the short list. Joe Burrow is on the short list. If you have a quarterback that great, I would just be I would just try to get that guy as committed as possible. Yeah, well, Anthony another... Richardson. Hey, that one that one clip did look pretty cool. What was it? 60 yards? I don't know. I wonder if he can do throws while doing a flip. Who knows. But uh for another speaking of quarterbacks, 
someone who made his deal a little bit more team friendly aaron Rodgers reworks his deal he was originally supposed to make almost 110 million dollars in guarantees this next last year but instead he turned it into two years 75 million was still fully guaranteed and you know this is a huge pay cut that you know doesn't usually happen and um it is you know shout out to him it's definitely been um it's definitely been an interesting journey with him but it seems a little bit of him committing to this team you know with with rogers he's definitely he's uh uh, he's definitely been um, uh, uh, a player that has shown his actions. You know, he, he's been pretty vocal, but he's also a guy who speaks through his actions. And for him to uh, do this is definitely showing some real some real trust in this team that has a lot of talent. Um, we've seen it with Sauce Gardner. We've seen it with that wide receiving core. And so for him to allow this team to really get even more options, I think shows how much he trusts in in this team. So he dropped to what? 275. So he's in the 30, he's in the 30 million dollar a year range now. Yeah. IT's I think so. gonna IT's gonna double check. Cause he was he was at a staggering number, right? Like yeah. one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league with that previous extension. But with what he's to at now, yeah, 37 and a half million. So he's actually making the same amount of money right now as Derek Carr. So I don't, you know, I don't even know if Derek Carr is properly rated for what he is as a quarterback, whatever, but Aaron Rodgers, we're both, we both have our caution with him on this Jets team. And this AFC East is stacked. We haven't really had a chance to do football preview stuff, but there is a lot of talent in yeah. the AFC East, a little less now with Ramsey getting hurt but still that Dolphins defense is stacked regardless Aaron Rodgers if he is being paid in this range like this is more he is being paid more properly now than he was as yeah. one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league because he is going to be productive on this Jets team because this Jets team is really really good like if Aaron Rodgers is good on this Jets team is be it's because the defense on the other side is keeping the just shutting down the other team low scoring the stakes for Rodgers is low. Like Brees Hall comes back and he's healthy. They can, the long possessions, Rodgers can take his time, low scoring games. Like the system in New York is going to benefit him. That's why he made the jump over to this team. And if they're paying him more in this range, that just, that, that, that makes more sense. It, it makes everything more comfortable. So you're right. Like having a big picture here, taking taking one for the guys like he's still heavily paid he's still you know upper 30s like he's he's still doing well but he is making less than daniel jones now daniel jones is 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 40 million dollars a year so while while as we we'll do the preview stuff and i'll we'll still have our cautions like aaron Rodgers, the player doesn't change but at least we can't sit here and say like he's not at a good value like unless he really tanks out they do have him at a good value here now. Yeah, no, they got him at a great value. And with this team, you know, you, you kind of know, especially when you're at, at least um, Rodgers is figuring out that, you know, he needs as much help as he can get, especially being in the division that he is, let alone the conference. And so any edge that you can get 
is where he's at. And I think he kind of just, I mean, just like everyone else, you want to win the Super Bowl. But he's kind of has to be all in now because it is only like one or two years or two years that this deal is on. And, you know, it, it's he knows, he recognizes his talents are, you know, slightly declining. It is definitely not the prime of his career. And this team is kind of the all-in time. And now there's so many other teams that are all also all-in. But for him, it's definitely giving Tom Brady with the Buccaneers, you know, it's definitely giving that kind of energy where it's it's just kind of boom or bust, kind of the Rams giving up the picks. And that year they went on the all-in as, as well. So it's, it's a good sign, you know. I still have, you know, I don't have them going all the way. But, you know, it is interesting to see that uh you know the belief that is in that team and you know we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see the belief but um and they just else... and they just re-signed Quinnen Williams as well to a big deal mm-hmm. that was a contract extension that was taking time so this this happening after that maybe those things are correlated it allows them to take his salary cap number with it makes that a little bit more bearable and Quinnen Williams is absolutely worth it like 24 million dollars a year he was was he first team all pro last year i know chris jones was one of the interior defensive first team all linemen but he was on one of the all pro teams last year he was absolutely amazing one of the best young defensive tackles in the league yeah first team all pro quinn williams 12 sacks unbelievable season so you're you're doing that contract regardless of what else for me you're doing that contract regardless of what else is going on on the roster he is that kind of a stud but it, uh, it allows the rest of the team building, like you're saying, to take place. It allows these kind of moves to happen to make them easier to allow to just allow all the pieces to fit together more cleanly. So we kind of have to give Aaron Rodgers props on this one. Yeah, no, shout out to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, it's been a player that um, probably has received a lot of flack over the last couple of years just because of um how how rough it has been but um you know it's definitely it's definitely um shout you know gotta recognize when the good things are going well and it's uh it's it's definitely seems like things are headed in the right direction for him so um i'm you know really excited to see uh how it goes on for the next couple couple of years with with this team, but it's gonna be it's gonna be some good games. It's gonna be good, it's good games. I mean, it's good quarterbacks all around. You know, Mac Jones, Tua, and Josh Allen. So those division games are gonna be really interesting. Um, but someone else who also believed in their team, switching over to movies. Oppenheimer recently came out, and both of us actually sure. went and saw it um it's it's uh it's you know christopher nolan's newest movie kind of you know going released the same weekend as barbie kind of having the barbenheimer moment um barbie still is definitely far and away um the more popular bigger selling movie still need to go out there and watch it but um oppenheimer we both watched it had Cillian Murphy in there, you know, some of the classic actors in a Christopher Nolan movie. But big picture, Rem, you know, we both, we were just talking about The Dark Knight. We've seen several of Christopher Nolan's works. Um, what did you think of this movie and how did you think it compared to some of uh, Christopher Chris, Nolan's other masterpieces? 
So I was a little nervous going into this movie because, I mean, we just did it. We just had the 15th anniversary of The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight just, it's its an amazing movie, obviously. I mean, the Rotten Tomato scores yeah. are incredible for audience and critic. But for me personally, I mean, it might be my favorite movie of all time. So my connection to that and Nolan just being maybe my favorite creator as well, um, that to this point was to me still his best movie but what he was tackling with here in in Oppenheimer the the stakes in Oppenheimer had a chance to be bigger than the stakes in the dark knight obviously just the person that he's dealing with the subject material the time and history and everything that's going on and i will say like and spoiler alert for the by the way for yeah the spoilers movie, talking the movie or buy so, a history book yeah, if you, if you don't know what happened in the 40s, uh, spoiler alert for that era, I guess. But I will say, like, The Dark Knight to me is still a better movie than Oppenheimer. Yes. But Oppenheimer is still really good, and I was worried that the weight of it and everything that was going on, it would be better in The Dark Knight. And I think it's close. I think it's pretty good. What? But I'm just saying, I'm saying I was worried it would be. I'm saying I was mm -hmm. worried it would be, but coming away from it the dark knight is still better but oppenheimer is amazing and just just this whole weekend in general the barbie oppenheimer hype the barbenheimer hype and the success of this movie specifically what is what does this weekend mean for movies because we were kind of talking about it earlier with the pop we just the boom that we think sports is going to take but there's a lot of talk that this weekend is bringing the industry back. Movies are back. It's big. You know, this is the first this is the first ever weekend in box office history where one movie made $100 million opening weekend and the other one made $50 million. Barbie was obviously the $100 million movie. People were really saying that this was a big win for the industry. But is this just a big win for Nolan? Like, are, do we just have to put Nolan now on the level of these other franchises? Just what is bringing people to the theaters? Like what is must watch movie stuff right now? It's the big IP. It's the Star Wars. It's Marvel. It's Pixar stuff. Other Disney projects. It's things like that. But it's it's kind of clearly now, obviously, Christopher Nolan. And again, these stakes for this movie were big, big history story. But Oppenheimer is kind of a forgotten individual in history. Like, I was doing a little bit of research, and Time Magazine did two different top 100-person rankings. They did one in 1999, top 100 people of the, the century. Oppenheimer is not on the list. And they did the list again in 2013. And 2013 list was I bigger, like more world history. And again, yeah. Oppenheimer not on the list. So... People weren't going to see this for the subject material specifically, even though it's big stuff. They were going to see this because they knew Nolan was going to take it and run with it and do an amazing job with it. And to me, I think he absolutely delivered on it. I think it's an amazing movie. Again, I don't think it's his best work, but I think it's amazing. I think if you want to argue it as one of his better ones, if you want to put it too, that's fine with me. But Second best movie, wow. I, I, I could put it there. I could put it there. But to me, Nolan is the biggest winner. It is Nolan brings people out to the movies as much as these other franchises do.
first of all, there's there's so much to react to there. I don't, you know, yeah, I, I think I think you know, I think he had a little too high a ranking for Oppenheimer, but we'll get into that. I'm but excited. I do think that is a very good point about you know people mentioning that Hollywood is back. I don't. You know, I don't personally think so. And here is why. The thing is, is when you look at the actors and the people and the 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 people involved in these projects, there's just so many actors, especially for Barbie, um, when you have like just yeah. that they just stuffed into this one movie, you know, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Emma Mackey, you know, Will Ferrell, you know, I could go on and on, Kate McKinnon, um, you know, so many actors. And then you have uh, a product or a, a IP that has never really been put on this big of a stage. Shout out to the animated Barbie movies. There's some good ones out there. I'm just saying, oh, okay. if you know, you know. If you know, you okay. know. But in terms of a blockbuster for a staple of almost American life, you know, American culture, Barbie, everyone knows what Barbie is. And so many people have grown up with it. Um, that's, I mean, I get it why it was far and away. Um, the bigger uh, movie and Oppenheimer kind of went off of it, you know, being the same weekend. It definitely got some hype from it as well. I I do think with and also, I mean, Oppenheimer themselves or itself had some good play, uh, great actors as well um, in Florence Pugh, you know, Emily Blunt, um, Rob, RDJ, you know, Rami Malek. So there's definitely it had its own great actors as well. Which shout out to uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. This is the first time really seeing him as an Ooh, older we'll get guy. In. We'll get in. Yeah, yeah we'll get it was definitely Downey. the first. He had some interesting. We'll get into Downey. It was some interesting acting performance. But big picture view on the movie. I I, I don't know if this is like I need to watch more of Nolan's work. I don't know oh, yeah? if this is I don't know if this is even a top five movie for a man. I'm not gonna lie. It was a rough watch. First of all, three hours and how many minutes? Let's see. It was definitely one of I his I think it was uh, three on the dot. Yeah, I think it might have been. I think I might have Yeah. But um three yeah, three hours. Um and you know, okay, maybe not top, not top five, but definitely not top three. And uh, I, you know, definitely prefer Dunkirk and maybe Tenant above it as well. But uh, Tenet, it's Tenant, yeah, Tenant's a sleeper. Tenet's Dunkirk, a sleeper. I, I really, I like Dunkirk a lot. I don't know why. It was, I mean, I do know why. It was, I like the suspense building. People don't. I think that's a little less known, and you know, you don't get the America. But uh, with Does this it movie, have the performances. I just I think the story is tell, told a lot better. That's an interesting point. I think with Dunkirk, it could be argued the actor performances maybe weren't as great as some of the moments in this movie. But in terms of how the story is told, it's a whole lot better because they actually focus better. on a moment. Which brings me to the reason why I mostly didn't like this movie is they try to stuff way too much into this three hours. They're you know the whole beginning he tries to kill his teacher. There's the whole you know him meeting all these teachers and things along those lines and then they're in and out and then there's those scenes with florence Pugh, which silly murphy has come out and defended but did we really need those did we like i understand it was a big effect on him in terms of you know her the character eventually taking her life which you know if you if you ever you know need help reach out for it but you know does it really affect it in the grand scheme of things and you know, also, it was a little weird with them jumping timelines because they not only had the past in color 
and then they had the middle in black and white, but then they also had the future in color as well, and then it was kind of hard to tell, like, is it, like, the future or is it the past, and then, like, there was a lot of, it needed kind of, like, subtitles, things along those lines, the music wasn't really noticeable, I thought, in the movie, so I think there's just a lot of general in terms of the whole structure of the actual movie there's too much put in it there wasn't enough of you know that when they were explaining stuff you couldn't really hear them talk i thought in general i think that was a sound thing um there might have been some sound issues i thought with the movie compared to other movies what theater were you in it was a, it was a great is one of you know grand lake theater it was a great theater but it was hard to understand them i'm just saying this is you know I, I you know it is an older theater so maybe that's it but um you know, shout out to Grand Lake Theater. Hey, hey, look, no, it, it was out with friends, but it was kind of hard to hear. Um, but um, and then, uh, it, but there were some really good moments in the movie. I think my favorite scene was definitely the uh, speech he gave after the bomb went off, and mm. just that visual picture of him. You know, you know, it gets really graphic in the movie where him stepping through a, a dead corpse from that, um, from that bomb, and just you know the just the it, it explained in the visual picture the attitude of the nation about it and how they're just you know not listening to them, just tone deaf, and you know just stuck in their patriot patriotism to notice how much damage they actually did to Japan. And, you know, probably his mixed feelings about it, you know, where it's, you know, he's being celebrated by the crowds, by the people, but, um, you know, at the same time, he caused massive destruction. So I definitely, I definitely, that was definitely my favorite scene. And I think the whole movie, it kind of, it, it's not really, I guess it will, not really the climax, but I think it best encapsulated the whole point of the movie and the the whole message from the movie in terms of Oppenheimer's mindset throughout the film. So this is where it's tough for, especially on the story aspect for like us to talk about this because we're younger guys. Like we weren't living through the political events that were going on here. So the movie does take some liberties where if you have some if you're if you know what's sort of just going on in the political proceedings, if you know, hey, this is this is Strauss's confirmation hearing, Oppenheimer's defense hearing. Oh, yeah. Oppenheimer's life is obviously taking place here. If you kind of have a little bit of understanding of the story, like you can jump right in and take off and at least just know right away what's going on, because that's sort of a thing with Nolan movies where on the first watch. Uh, and this was a problem with Tenet as well, where people were kind of like, wait a second, what's going on? I just don't understand it. And the reviews kind of get bumped down a little bit. Now, Oppenheimer has been, at least from a critical standpoint, much more highly reviewed than Tenet, obviously. But for the purposes of our discussion here, like, Nolan can benefit from a rewatch and from a little bit of understanding of what's going on. And some of the timeline stuff on a first watch where you're just, you're playing from behind a little bit and people like us that don't have that political knowledge, you know, trying to catch up can keep you out of the story for a little bit. But I do think that the way that this movie ended because it is long and there are a lot of storylines going on, but to take it back to Downey a little bit, 
the Downey char character specifically and the fact that everything he was doing was kind of this side villain arc on the end and there's this reveal at the end and the fact that at least you he pays off the fact that you've watched all three hours of this movie like there is a big reveal at the end there all these storylines have converged in a way and there was a lot of things that he was doing with because this movie is essentially a biopic of Oppenheimer mm -hmm. and there's a lot of yeah. things that he was doing with the biopic genre that were a lot different and I think Downey is the villain and tying all the storylines together it, as confusing as it was I think the payoff in the end kind of works and the Downey character works and for the confusion that it may cause tying it all together the way he does I think pays it off in a good way so I need to re I need to watch Memento. That's probably one of his biggest um, Nolan movies that I haven't watched. It's an but, one. Yeah, yeah. But when I was thinking top five, I was trying to you know jog the memory about the movie. So I put yeah. number one, The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight. Or not Dark Knight. Uh, not The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight. Yeah, not the Dark yeah. Knight. Right. That was yeah. That was not a bad movie, but not that high. So The Dark Knight. Number two, I put Dunkirk. I just, I think it was just, it was so well written and it was just, I, it was so good. You gotta, I don't know, maybe you gotta reach Roger. it. Maybe I need to rewatch it, but re I thought the, it. I thought the music was good. It was just, it was such a well written story. And I thought it was really well done for the actors that they had. I mean, they didn't have like the top of the line actors. And I think that made it almost better because you're like, you actually, it actually looked like it was a film from that time. And you're not like, oh, this is this guy from here. So, um, that's I mean, second. it did get nominated for Best Picture, right? And he yeah. did get a Best Director nomination for that. So yeah. it's a prestigious film. It's a quality yeah. film. It's just Nolan's, his catalog is so strong at this point. But yeah, Dunkirk 2. Um, Dunkirk 2. Um, three, I got to put Interstellar. Um, mm. I think that's, you know, with um, recently rewatched that one and the music in that the theme in that how they continue to push that and just i mean there's just so many movies out there with like time and space and things like that and nolan in his own way you know really made his mark on it and really i thought it was it was good um it, it the math made sense in my head like you could understand what was going on i think that's why tenant gets a knockdown a bit because it's it is hard to understand the math in there but that one it did make sense um it was nice to see the the, I'm always a fan of seeing the beginning and end kind of, you know, branch out in together, you know, kind of be a loop. Um, you know, that's, um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's a, so I think it's a great movie for that as well. There's, there's some very interesting moral decisions, you know, are you going back for your daughter, you know, things like that, are you going to actually yeah. go back for your family, you know, the daughter and her dad, um, the dad, the head of the space station and all that. So I think, I think, yeah, all of those things are why i put that at three then at four and this one could be higher you know it's just you know you, it could make a good argument why it's higher is inception um i think mm. you know i think it was just it's it's a huge i think i liked it a lot i just thought it was like there was points it got a little it got too long with the emotions and stuff like that it was i don't know i thought it dragged out a little bit but you know, it could be, you know, it could be argued that it, you know, could jump some of these other movies. But I think Inception... I mean, it's shorter I think, than Oppenheimer. Yeah, but I think Inception... I don't know. Do you think Inception is a better movie than Oppenheimer? I think it is. 
you know, I I don't know. I think it's pretty widely claimed, but I don't know. But um, Inception at four, and it's then... It's 228, so yeah, it's almost a half an hour shorter than... Yeah, and then I think then. you could argue between Tenet or Oppenheimer. So that's how I get to top five without to Oppenheimer. And, um, you know, I, Tenet, I could see someone put Oppenheimer over Tenet. It's just... I thought I thought you know with Jonathan John Dave David Washington I thought he played it just I think it was a better job of focusing on him than in Oppenheimer on Oppenheimer himself because then you have like a lot of RDJ moments which shout out to him you know but then there's also like the whole he's also really focused his character is really focused on Albert Einstein and then it's like why wasn't Albert Einstein in the project and then it's like you know, all these other side characters, like, you know, the, the mistresses and the wives. And then, you know, it, I mean, obviously, a lot of the movie was focused on the guy who this movie was named after. But there's just so much in terms of politics as well. And then it's like, what's going on? Like, oh, he tricked everyone. Oh, wait, did he trick everyone? Oh, wait, he's going down for it. And it, I don't know, it just, it was kind of all over the place. It was super long. I love the ending moment with Albert Einstein, though. That was a great ending to the movie. But you know, I, I don't know. I personally had, I kind of like Tenet a little bit more, but that's because I'm more of a fan of those kind of like time things along those lines where, you know, people are trying to break the mold, but they end up just following it as well. And I, I'm just personally a fan. So it's personal taste. As we mentioned already, this is this whole podcast is my opinion. So whatever. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that, so it's not, I'm not trying to zag because I'm actually trying to zag. There are legit reasons why I don't have Oppenheimer in the top five of so Nolan movies. I think for me, it's pretty safely in the top five. I agree with most of the things you said about the movies. I think Tenet is super underrated. And if I was ranking Nolan movies, like Dark Knight is obviously number one. Oppenheimer Tenet would be a really strong 2-3 battle for me, one of those. I think Dunk Intercept, Inter, uh, Inception, mm -hmm. I Inception. think, is after those. And then it's an it's an interstellar dunkirk battle for for me at that point wow but not john in on david, interstellar or dunkirk over them huh john david washington and tenant is super yeah. underrated i think rewatch that story and actually have a grasp of what's going on and you know it is what he's saying like he's saying some stuff about time and the action set pieces like this is movie is just straight up set pieces. like it's just it's unbelievable. There is yeah. so much. There's so yeah. much going on. They scale a building. There's fire trucks on a highway. I mean, they crash the plane into, into, uh, into the building. If, if we want to talk set pieces as well for Nolan, like, there's the Trinity test obviously in this Oppenheimer movie, mm -hmm. but that plane scene in Tenet is yeah, right up there, pound for pound, one of the best set piece things he's ever done so for me it's one of those two for his best movie but i think oppenheimer is again it's it is really long but there is a lot of stuff that is necessary to the story there's a lot of stuff in history that he's dealing with and sort of similarly to the dark knight the dark knight is a cleaner movie it's a better movie but it's also like a genre shifting movie in the way it allows superheroes films to be prestigious. And again, I don't know if this movie is going to do that for biopics, but it really did 
do a biopic differently than a lot of people have and told that story a lot of better than I think a lot of people would have. And it's a story again, that is a massive story in history, but is not something that's ever really been tackled before. Just the story of the For atomic sure. bomb and the Manhattan project and all that, like there hasn't really been any other projects projects focused on it. The only other ones I could find for American anyways, there's a couple of like BBC British t television shows, but for like American movies, there's a 1989 film film called fat man and little boy. Otherwise that's, that's it. And that film pretty much bombed. Like it had a 50% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 45% audience score box office, not good. So um, a, a subject that's never really been tackled people that have never really been tackled. I mean, Einstein as well. Like, we t like no one was making the case for Oppenheimer as one of the most important people in history in terms of impact, but Einstein in the public culture is actually one of the most important people in history. Yeah. Like t those time magazine lists, Einstein, one person of the century and Einstein has just never, ever been in any movies or any TV. Like there's just never, his, he's never appeared in anything. There's never been any properties focused on these guys i mean it's a delicate subject world war ii especially the atomic bomb and the political weight that that carried like i get it but these are big things that never have have not been done yet nolan took them on i think gearing the stuff toward the set pieces the way he did and really telling like oppenheimer's story like this movie was branded as a movie about the atomic bomb and the atomic bomb is really just a set piece in the movie. It was just a scene. Mm -hmm. It was just a part of it. Like this movie was built around the story around Oppenheimer itself. So I think just kind of pulling off all the things that he pulls off. Uh, I think, I, I think, I think he makes it work. And I think, so if for just the individual performances for the movies, so Killian Murphy as actually Oppenheimer, this himself, and you kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier, but is this like, so is this, is this a thing now with Killian Murphy? Like, is he just on the scene as a leading man or is this a moment in time for him? Because I think his performance is a good performance. I think he kills it as Oppenheimer, no. but the supporting cast is really stacked there's a lot of things like you said from the story standpoint there's a lot of things going on around him so he doesn't really have to carry the movie like he's the main piece of the movie but he's not you know doing everything he's not necessarily having to be the the focal point of everything and just looking at his career like this is the first real big break he's gotten as a leading man in a big budget type movie and again i think he kills it but do you think he's on the scene now as like Killian, Killian Murphy, mainstay, leading guy? Yeah, I, th I think he is. Um, mm. You know, he had been building some um, some reputation with Peaky Blinders. I think that was a really popular show on Netflix, and I enjoyed it as well. But you know, with him, with his, he, I mean, he went far and away, played really well in this movie. And, you know, to make sure, full disclosure, you know, I don't think this is a bad movie. This is definitely yeah, not no. a bad movie. It's a good movie. Nolan's it's catalog, just, Nolan's yeah, exactly. catalog is strong. You're not, you're not exactly. criticizing it by putting those movies above it. Yeah, exactly. We're just, I'm just comparing Nolan against himself. But I think 
it, it did feel like Nolan felt like he had to explain a lot of things that was going on. And I think that made a lot of kind of bloatware or extra stuff into the movie. It made it feel a little bloated. And I think if they, I, I don't know, it felt like they kind of signed on Robert Downey Jr. to this movie. And they're like, okay, what do we do with him? Because like they showed that one council scene like a million times with the flower in the way. Like, did we have to really see that a hundred times? Like, and it was just the focus of the movie. Yes, it did. did like you mentioned, the atomic bomb became the set piece. And it turned the shift of the focus into the movie from the bomb to Oppenheimer's feelings about the bomb. And for a person in history who we do, you know, care about his accomplishment, but, you know, we don't really care about him as, you know, as a person in history. And so you're bringing your, the focus becomes someone who it doesn't matter as much. And it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, really, you know, kind of, I guess, really have a, empathize with him because it's something that we're never going to go through so that's why i personally think if they had really shortened the intro stuff you know just kind of really focused in on the camp stuff building it kind of maybe maybe more about that hydrogen bomb i would have loved to seen you know more stuff about the future of that um i think that's also under you know we never used a hydrogen bomb but kind of the you know some of that as well and then kind of I don't know. I don't want to completely cut out RDJ, but find another role for him. Like, don't don't have him in that whole thing because that whole committee thing is just weird. And then it just ended, you know, and I did. And maybe they could, you know, hint at it, you know, and then, you know, maybe they could, you know, I, I think they could have done a scene where, you know, he starts to, you know, make people mad. And then they're like, oh, he has to go to the committee. And then, you know, Albert comes in with his whole thing and they're like, oh, they'll hate you and stuff. And then, and, but like, and then you have the whole like Senate hearing, like we don't hear the result of the Senate hearing. We don't hear what was the whole point of that Senate hearing. Like they might've mentioned For it, but it, uh, the one where they had, um, was it Rami Malek's character where they have him like explaining stuff? Like, I guess they do mention it, but it's like there was a lot of focus on things that historically kind of don't matter, I guess, in my opinion. Like the Senate hearing, like maybe maybe the perception of Oppenheimer wasn't great during that time and he lost his credit, you know, his credit and stuff like that. But he was yeah. he was respected later. And so I just with the, when you look at the other movies that were put on top of it it's like oh there's this guy who goes through like 10 layers of dreams and like can he get out can he connect with his wife again you know can he it's just there's you know when you look at the stakes that are placed even with dunkirk and that's why i think dunkirk was so great first of all it was a story that was a lot less known um and it was also it was also something that really changed the world war i mean britain there i mean there it was very unlikely that germany was going to beat them in the air but um i mean that was pretty much it for their army and i mean the nazis could have stomped them out they could have ran up on them but they they didn't they didn't fight them and that was i mean it was something that changed the course of the war and of course the atomic bomb did as well but just having the focus off of the main thing that you're bringing people in the theater for and instead talking about someone's feelings who you know we're trying to explain but then you know we're spending a lot of time focusing on other characters there's a whole communist thing and things along those lines i just thought there's too many distractions it should have been centralized and you know even shortened to just the atomic bomb just the development of it you know you can mention the other themes but focus on the reason that you bring people in the theater for and you know i i mean 
maybe the Dark Knight isn't as good if they don't have as much focus on the Joker. But you know, the, the, but then the reason why the Joker's so good is because of how well he reflects Batman. So it still goes back to Batman. Mm. Still a lot to Batman. So I think it's just you gotta focus on the money maker and. Too much of this movie was focused on things that essentially didn't matter and you know in history and in this you know in the movie they're kind of like okay well he's still got the medal people still loved him so it doesn't kind of matter what he feels those people are still dead so you know what he feels it doesn't really essentially matter which is why i kind of like felt kind of a little bit disappointed going away from the movie i just it didn't feel great you know which i mean the movie explained Oppenheimer well i thought it explained the situation well i just thought it was like not really not super entertaining is my point it was a visual masterpiece it was something great to watch but i don't know if it would be it definitely wouldn't you know i don't know if it was great as a piece of entertainment i don't know if it's just a nolan thing because dunkirk is a, a nolan movie as well obviously yeah. But it is kind of true if you just look at history in general. There is kind of a world where you just look at the way the world war was playing out, and Hitler, you know, like yeah. kind of lost the war more so than the other people won it. Now, oh, like, don't sure. under don't underestimate the power that the U.S. was in the '40s, and the fact that they were you know fighting the battle on two fronts as well too. There was a war in the Pacific going on, but he puts an emphasis on this move in this movie as well too, in that fact that. He's showing the scientific breakthroughs. Hey, the Germans are actually beating us. They have a head start. They're making the breakthroughs. It was actually Hitler like alienating the scientists and driving them mm -hmm. away from the country that slowed down their stuff scientifically. So, I mean, that is, I don't know, maybe that's just Nolan, but that is kind of a, a, a thing that actually happened. And, and you, the, the Downey thing is tough because you're right. This is where the most clutter of the movie is happening around Downey. And even like at the end with the Rami Malek character, like having him earlier in the movie to pay him off at the end, it's all because of the Strauss hearing. And again, it's just, if you're, I, I agree with you where the one criticism of this movie is probably the length and the, uh, and um, yeah, the, you know, it, 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 maybe they could have cleaned a couple of things up, but there are a lot of things that I think work and that are necessary here. But the Downey character as much clutter as there is he might be the just the best the best character in the movie or the most well acted character in the movie like Downey True. is ab absolutely phenomenal in this movie yeah. I think he crushes it just in his role can can I give you the non Iron Man roles that Robbie Robert Downey Jr. has played the last 11 years so the, the last the last decade plus of Robert Downey Jr. These are the non-Iron Man roles he's had. The Judge in 2014 and Doolittle in 2020. That's it. So outside of Tony Stark, like Downey as an actor showing his range, showing what he can do, we haven't seen that in a decade. And Downey being in a movie that's actually like prestigious in a movie that the Academy would look at, we haven't seen that in even longer. And this guy is maybe the most important actor of the last decade. If you just want to talk about Marvel movies and their success and his meaning to them. And I mean, Downey is objectively amazing as Tony Stark. Like it's an awesome performance. He's an incredible actor. And now he's like in a, you know, a quote unquote real movie with a real director and say what you want about the storyline. 
But Downey's individual performance in this movie, I'm just, I'm glad we're getting him back in these roles. Again, I think he's a phenomenal actor. He was crushing it as Tony Stark this whole time. And the fact that it's just Iron Man and Marvel and the superhero thing, the Academy is just going to ignore, like, ignore it and never look at it. But he was, he was one of the most important actors and being amazing and crushing a character and probably should have been noticed for what he was doing as Iron Man. So, you know, who knows how this performance will during award season and how this just movie in general will do during the award season but i think downey is unbelievable as the villain as the strauss character and just throughout this movie yeah and if you go and look at that do little um uh movie i mean it would came out during covid so you know not great but it didn't look like it got the greatest reviews but playing with tom holland but um yeah, this is definitely his best non-Iron Man role in a long time. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, that perfectly, you're you're completely right. Uh, I thought he played, I thought he did great. I think he acted, he did his well, role well. It's just that it made so much of the focus not be on Oppenheimer. And it wasn't even, like, it was his relationships with Oppenheimer, but it was his own, like, stuff that he wanted to do. Um, I mean, he was literally taking the spotlight away and then I kind of wish that it had gone to color once he like opened the door to go out to the reporters or it went to color at some point, like not black and white the whole time. But, um, you know, did we, it just seemed like there was a sane amount of focus on how much they tried to take credit away from him or they were trying to take away his credibility, but yeah. like, you know, okay. So he lost his security clearance and people don't like him. Like, you know, it, it it just it just seems so much of the focus was on what didn't make him famous and we should have had more focus on why are we in this theater right now like we're in this theater because he made the atomic bomb and i think if more of the focus had been on his actual feelings and not what people thought were his actual feelings um i would have definitely appreciated the more movie more and that's why i love that scene after the bomb was set off because that's kind of the i think one of the few glimpses we get to see in his brain of what does he actually think not what his girlfriend from who knows when thinks not what his you know side guy you know his his partner from when he was at the labs was thinking you know what does he actually think and maybe they would have to do uh you know some adaptation maybe they would have to write some stuff up but i i his, the whole public perception, it doesn't really make sense. I think I think a good uh, a version of this where it would be interesting to see the public perception would be like O.J. Simpson, I think is a really good example mm. of that, where he has a really great perception beforehand. He has the advertisements, and then there's the whole chase. And then like seeing the aftermath, I think, think would be huge. I mean, it made Kardashian's career. I think it was really publicized. But, you know, to have this huge amount of focus on his on up for oppenheimer it's like we barely know him as is and now you're like going into the weeds it just seemed really weird and really specific to focus so much time to you know stuff that happened after the war with this council and his communist feelings and stuff like that it just it seemed like a really niche thing which you know when we're talking about oppenheimer no one cares about his communist feelings you know he, he it was just about the atomic bomb and more of the focus should have been on the actual atomic bomb Aggregators. Sam said he'd rather watch a movie about O.J. Simpson than J. Robert Oppenheimer. 
Yeah, I actually would. I don't. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, project the the, the thirty for thirty case? for it was really. I mean, the viewership on the thirty thirty for it yeah. was huge. I mean, people want yeah. to see it. But, no, I mean yeah. that is that is that is of course. Uh, I mean that that's that's a story, of course. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a, that's an all timer. But yeah, uh, what do you want? Did you want more more Emily Blunt at all? More of the white um, character. It felt like she was kind of the Chris Bosch of the movie. Like st stacked cast, a lot of people getting a lot of run. I guess Remy Malik kind of. Mm. I mean, they're like the bring the sheets in thing. That's true. They did come up a couple times. She shook them once. You know, and they were trying to balance it between her and Florence Pugh because, you know, the whole thing. So and she was like communist kind of thing. So there, there was, you know, more focus because they wanted to focus so much on this council. It's just so dumb. I did not I did not like how many times we went back to that council. It, it was just it was dumb. So then what do you think this movie is? Because, again, going back to the weekend, the hype of the mm -hmm. movie, the box office success of the movie, I, I think crushing expectations like barbie barbie again this this was transformers for you know girls like it, it it's gonna it's gonna crush it's gonna pull in a big number i yeah. think a lot of people were really surprised by what oppenheimer did and how strong of a performance it had i mean the industry is going to appre appreciate this movie it already has like the mm -hmm. the critic reviews of it are good so do you think that this is like this is an Oscar type movie for Nolan? He had it with Dunkirk. I believe he had it with Inception. Do you think he's gonna get it, that kind of love with this movie? Like how many how many potential nominations if we want to look ahead? Like what were what were the highlights? Cause I, I could see best movie, obviously. I could see best director for Nolan. Robert Downey is again as Louis Strauss could get a best supporting mm -hmm. nod. Best adapted screenplay could Killian Killian Murphy get a best actor nom? Like, do you think this is going to be a a loved movie by the industry during award season? Do you think it's going to get a lot of buzz? Yeah, I think it is going to be loved by the industry, but I don't think a lot of people and fans of Nolan are going to love it compared to his other ones. I, I don't know if the rewatchability is really great you know i mean when you look at movies this long you know you're looking at like lord of the rings kind of length um and you know in terms of storytelling you can't compare so i i gotta i, I think that performances by certain actors the things they did the way they said it it was definitely it seemed like it was more of a movie made by filmmakers for filmmakers and less about you know the person everyday person watching it and um, I definitely, I think it is going to get its awards. It's going to get, it's going to get a couple of awards. But in terms of like whether people will remember this movie, I think it was, I think it would have had significantly worse numbers if it did not come out the same weekend as Barbie. And I think really? the Barbenheimer, I think the Barbenheimer thing of, oh, let's go watch one, watch the other, really helped the numbers. I think it really, because... I think a lot of people did that. I think a lot of people went to watch one and watch the other. And, you know, I, I think it definitely it definitely pushed up the numbers um, that it, more than it normally would. And, um, you know, it's it's I think it would have been average or not as good if it didn't have the whole hype of just the comparison. And, you know, I guess the atomic bomb part was people could hear it in the Barbie movie theater. So, 
you know, they were like, oh, let's go see maybe Curiosity, things like that. But I think because so many people were already in the theaters because of Barbie, because Barbie's just such a huge um, IP. It's just such a huge, you know, it's just it's cultural, you know, a cultural icon. I, I think that's yeah. not crazy to say. So uh, because of that, I think it significantly helped the numbers of Oppenheimer. And um, I think, you know, if it were at a normal weekend, a weekend that wasn't with Barbie, I think it wouldn't wouldn't have done great. And I think, it, but I think it would have shown up still on those award shows. I think, you know, people, you know, similar, you know, people like you, like, I'm not trying to hate, but people like you who are in the industry watch, you know, movies a lot industry. more, you know, who, who do, you know, like Shape of You, stuff like that. You know, I think people who do really appreciate films more as an art instead of like really as an entertainment kind of thing. I think would have definitely appreciate, still appreciated this movie. And uh, once award season came around, you know, it would have definitely been up there. But in terms of it as an, you know, entertainment kind of movie, you know, it's, I don't, I don't think it'll get a lot of great resale. And I think we'll see the numbers really take a deep dive, especially in comparison to Barbie uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think Barbie is still supposed to have like 85, 90 million this second weekend. Um, which is Barbie which is, Barbie I think is Barbie already at 700 It might be it might be I read something People that Barbie was this for a while. I I read something that Barbie with wherever it's at right now like it's definitely it's definitely on pace to hit the billion dollar mark like that's the thing that's mm. been with the Barbie movie so I don't know if it's at 700 million yet worldwide you know total but uh it it might be. I, I don't know. Do I have to settle down? I'm going to have to go do op and I'm going to have to go see what everybody else is saying now. I was ready to come in here and hype this thing up. Like, I was going to go as far as to say, is this like early? Is this like an early movie of the decade type candidate? Again, with what it did for the week, the industry, the weekend, the box office number, and just the movies that we've had. Like, it's not, uh, we had a pandemic to start the decade. Like, what do you do? The Oscars, those first couple of years, you know, hit or miss. We had the Top Gun Maverick last year, and I think Top Gun Maverick has to go in that conversation for what that meant to the industry, bringing people back out to the movie theaters, being sort of the big first movie post-pandemic. But, I mean, this is the biggest set piece of all time with the atomic bomb and the best, maybe the best set piece creator of all time in christopher nolan and it just it felt like the size of this movie the stakes nolan as a director what the industry might think of it i don't know i felt like all these things kind of put together it might the case might be there but i will settle down if i have to i'm gonna have to see what everybody else is saying because i went and saw it with champ and champ is uh i mean eh. he's loving christopher nolan as much as i am but again the i mean, i didn't oh sorry the Rotten Tomato score. Well, I was just gonna say the Rotten Tomato score is good for this movie. Like it's in the upper nineties. Yeah. Is it his highest rated movie of his career? For his for Nolan's career, his average Rotten Tomato score for his movie is eighty five percent. So just to compare that with some other directors, like Scorsese, his average is eighty two. Spielberg, his average is eighty. Fincher 79, James Cameron 77. So to me, this Oppenheimer just slides right in as another Nolan great. But uh, 
if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Sam, if you're telling me I have to rewatch it to make up my mind again, well then I guess I'll just have to. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just um when did Tenant come out? Yeah, I don't think it's his, I don't think it's Nolan's best movie of the decade, let alone the best one, one of the best. So I don't know. Tenet, I, I still have Tenant above him, so yeah. Um but I think I think it's just it was it was hard to keep track of each of the timelines, and I I just thought it was too much going on. Um, you know, you could still see the quality that was put in. I don't think the quality was lacking at all. It was just trying to keep track as a viewer. It was it was tough. It was tough to stay engaged. Um, I saw a lot of people mentioning you know falling asleep. I mean, it's just it you know it was low low talking. It was jumping a lot. It's a lot of people that you know people kind of don't care about i mean the main reason is i i personally care about it as a history buff i like you know i knew who oppenheimer was i was really interested in watching it you know hearing some names i was interested but you know you know the general joe schmo there's a you know there is a reason why barbie is going through the roof you know everyone knows who barbie is ken you know you can introduce the other characters but like you know you start getting into like oh heidenberg you know over him what's going on you know he has water oh wow you know hydrogen bomb you know it's you know why do i care about this so it's definitely it seemed like it got a little bit in the weeds and it almost became a documentary so i don't know it's it was a good it was an interesting movie i don't I, you know obviously i wouldn't say it was a bad movie but by nolan standards you know it wasn't it was not great it was not so great. Um, your obvious criticism of the movie it's too long and this is this is kind of something that we i think we saw a little bit post pandemic when things started to reopen, movies were coming back out. Like they, they, I think they, they were shorter. Like even some of the Marvel movies were just in that two hour range. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you like a movie better if it's like that? Do you like a three hour movie? Because again, the rewatchability of it, like three hours is a long rewatch. If we're just talking about what kind of legs this movie will have committing your time to, you know, just practically watching a three hour movie is a big commitment. It's is, it is complicated with the storylines, but I feel like it would smooth out with time as you watch it. So just big picture for movies. Would you like, do you, do you think three hour movies are good? Like, would you even want those type of big movies to stay around or would you want them to start gearing toward, in the in the two hour range, so it's a little more bearable. Yeah, I mean, my general rule with entertainment is that if you can notice the time is passing, then it's not good entertainment. If you're yeah, yeah. actually invested in it, you're you know you're 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 able to follow along, you're emotionally invested in it, you know your your brain is invested in it in some way, and time is passing, and you don't notice. You know, it's the same like video games. I could sit down and play three hours of my favorite video game. But if I'm playing, you know, if I'm forced to play a certain game that I don't like, you know, playing Sudoku or something, and, you know, I can barely play that for 10 minutes and I got to, you know, turn it off because I'm not enjoying it. And so I think it's a similar way with this movie. And I think that's why people, you know, you can watch Lord of the Rings and you're like, oh, wait, what? It's like 2 a.m. What? But it's the same way with this movie is that you're trying to keep track of everything that's going on. And so it's just it's 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 more brain power than should be in entertainment. And, you know, and then that's where you kind of notice that's going on. It's kind of bores you. You know, it's a lot of talking. It is it is a lot of talking. I think that's another thing about the movie is that, you know, Dunkirk kind of showed it in its actions. You know, they're kind of trying to run away. You know, Dark Knight, there is a lot of huge set pieces stuff going on. 
Um, and I think Inception as well, you know, there's a lot of fight scenes as well. That's another thing. This movie had no fights, like, you know, which is, you know, it is kind of, you can't really do that with Oppenheimer, but, you know, not having fight scenes, not really having action, I think kind of also makes it harder to watch the movie and, you know, kind of only having one moment of something really crazy happening and it's just a lot of talking and just, it's just a movie about bureaucracy, you know, and we get enough of that in real life and, you know, it's not, yeah, I think that's something I did not realize until thinking about it now, you know, there's no action, there's no really punching scenes, fighting scenes, and for a three-hour movie, I need some action, I need at least some excitement, you know, it's like, you know, and then like, even if, or if you want to do it into a romance, at least build up the romance. I mean, there was, again, I'm trying to, what's her, what's her face, but Florence Pugh's Jean, character. Jean? Yeah, Gene, he meets her and then like 10 seconds later, you know, they're getting it on. And it's like, okay, well, that's done. And then him and his wife, you know, there's not Have much Have you never there. met a lady before, Sam? I get it, but you got to build it up. You know, you got to get a little tension. You know what I mean? You got to talk. You got to, you know, you can't just go 10 seconds here. You know, it's just, Sam's it's, it's wild. You know, yeah, you got to wind it up. You know, you got to, you got to talk a little bit. So um and you know so if you if they are going that romantic route and then really emphasizing that relationship in that thing i think that was a missed opportunity just because of how much they kept mentioning her and how important she was it's like you're a close relation she was a suspected or actually i don't know if she was confirmed communist and it's like you know it's all these details all these characters and i'm supposed to keep track of them like i don't know it was just a lot of bureaucracy a lot of keeping track of a lot of people that I don't really have a reason to care about and not enough focusing on, Hey, this thing goes boom. You said, you said there was no action and I was kind of surprised. You're right. Like yeah. I, the only real set PC action thing is the Trinity test itself, but I didn't realize it just because the pacing of the movie and the stakes and everything that's going on. My adrenaline was pumping. Like it still had kind of the, the vibe and the emotional roller coaster of an action movie so i like it from that standpoint so what do you give it on a on a on a scale like out of 100 because i like being you know like, get a little okay. specific or decimals yeah. you know however however, however you want to say it yeah right? a couple terms of digits of, to work with i think in terms of movies i think if i came in with the mindset that it was going to be a documentary I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more in terms of instead of a movie or like, you know, an adapted documentary, like I'm coming in to learn. I was coming in to watch it to be entertained and I was disappointed. So I guess it was my expectations, you know, maybe the settings a little off, but, um, you know, I guess that was my own expectations coming in. I, you know, didn't get what I'd wanted, but when you watch most of Nolan's movies, it is, it is, you know, it is a little bit of an intellectual um, exercise watching these movies, but it's still entertainment. I still think it is generally across the board. It is entertainment. And so I don't think it was crazy to have those expectations. Now, in terms of his, you know, Nolan's own, um, rating, I would put this probably at like a 68. I, I it was tough. It was, mm. I didn't, I did not, I, I wouldn't put it at like 73 just because that puts it above average. And I think this was a below average Christopher Nolan movie. I think, okay. I you know, you generally, I really need to watch Memento, but yeah. I have a feeling that might be above it. Who knows? I don't know. But um, so that puts him at like, that puts it at like the sixth, seventh best movie and he's only made 12. So, you know, 
It's, it's somewhere average. I think it was below average. So 68, just barely below average for him. In terms of movies in general, it was still a good movie. I thought, you know, especially with the source material, everyone knows what's happening. You gotta, you know, you gotta do something. So, I, you know, and generally, in terms of other movies, I put it probably like in 82, 83. You know, it was a good movie, you know, in, in his documentary style. And, you know, if someone really wanted to watch it, I would. And, you know, I'd probably, I mean, it is something that, you know, I might need to go back and rewatch to understand even better. Make sure the subtitles are even on. But in terms of, hey, let's watch a Christopher Nolan movie. I think there's just so many more options and better, significantly better options that, you know, it'll be a while before I watch this again if I have options to watch other Christopher Nolan movies. So you're saying if Nolan had, if this was Nolan directing an episode of Masterpiece on PBS as like a docu history series, you'd yeah. be like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." I, he's, I he's, he's crushing it on again. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I would like, I would have seen it again. But as a movie, I'm, I'm, I agree with you in the general movie rankings. I would go in the 80s. I might even say like. Is this like an 88 or an 89 for me? Oh, gosh. It's okay. Now you're talking strong. about elite. I don't know about all that. It's pretty strong. I mean, I, it's going to be a best picture nomination, I think. So in terms of history, it's going to have, it's going to be a part of history. So I think it could be a strong 80s. I think Tenet is maybe like a 91, a 92. Facts. Tenet is, Facts. Tenet is, Tenet is good. And if you want to get technical about like rewatchability, the... Again, just the set piece, the amount of set pieces in Tenet, and it just goes from action scene to action scene. Like, the rewatchability, the I'm going to have it on in the background, and oh, let me watch this part. Oh, let me watch that part. It's it's an unbelievable movie. Very underrated by Nolan. John David Washington. I have his stock in my portfolio. I have a lot. A lot of yeah. John. A lot of, a lot, of a lot of John David Washington stock. A, a lot more Downey stock after this movie. I still... Yeah. Still, definitely have, uh, definitely have my Christopher Nolan stock, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little glad you're kind of, kind of feisty about it. That way, we're both not over here casting oh, yeah. it up because I do, I, I think your critic, I think, I think your criticisms are fair. I think some of the the performances in the movie and the the set pieces in the movie and the good stuff that he pulls off, I think, is very, very strong. But it is long. I mean, it's three hours. You can't say it's not a yeah. long movie. It, it, it's a long movie. It's a commitment. Did I fade a couple times in the theater and hit him with the nod? I mean, it, it may have happened. Oh, oh, it was, oh, it was oh. a late showing. It was a late showing. <laughs> but that shout out to Nolan. I mean, it's his fault. The ticket buying experience here was was hectic. And the only tickets were late. So it's his Are you fault doing that for being Inception? so popular. What? Are you doing that if you're watching Inception? Well, I didn't see Inception late at night. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, and Inception is a totally different movie. There's a lot more action scenes, but you got to admit, it's a lot more interesting as a movie, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, it's breaking pace, you know, it's something that I've never explored, but like everyone knows what a dream is. So, you know, like the basic concept, but then you're like, oh, this is like, takes it to a whole nother level. And then the whole idea, oh my goodness, I don't, I think you're sleeping on Inception. Inception was really, and it has, uh, what's this face? Leonardo DiCaprio. Shout out. I love Inception. I think I think Inception's amazing. Again, I, I all of Nolan's movies I would rate rate very, very highly. And I also I love things that are set in the snow. 
and mm-hmm. at the end the set piece when they're when they're out in the arctic yeah, exactly the snow man and there's probably, some really good actors you've probably never seen this movie but there's a movie with jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen called wind river where they're on like a native american reservation and it's snowy and they're running around in snowmobiles it's it's mm-hmm. awesome so snow set piece movies i'm all in go watch Rim, wind river if you haven't uh seen wind wind river yet but yeah i i agree with you Seption, Exception is killer. It's just it's it's a strong risk. I had it four. I think I had it four on my ranking. Yeah, four. He still had uh what was I it? I had it in had... my Nolan Mount Rushmore. Oh my goodness. Still had it over open number. Opie. Oh, open number. Oh my gosh. Oh well, I guess we'll agree to disagree. Man, Inception did have some ballers too. Joseph Gar- Gordon Levitt. Tom Hardy. Elliot Page. Selen Murphy. Murphy Sheesh. Alright, Michael Kane too. Um did we get that name right? Is that the right name? Who? Elliot For who? Page? Yeah, I think so. Is that up to date? I don't know. Let's see, I might be wrong. That's I what Google so. told me. Uh-uh. Yeah, people, that's what it says. People move too fast these days. Yeah, Elliot Page, yeah. Okay, I don't good. Know. Let's, Just making sure. Let's change again. Yeah, unless he changed it again. Yeah. Um... Let's see here. Um, moving on to some of our corners, corners. There's just some uh, opinions we saw around the league. Jeff Teague on a podcast mentioned that Harden, he'd rather have Harden over D Wade. And let me make sure we always, one of the things, one of the legitimate criticisms that I do give, uh, that I do understand from players is misquoting them and mm. going for headlines so let's look he said in an interview with brendo and the will show that james harden was absolutely a top five shooting guard of all time and suggested he was he would i got him over d wade but i'm out of pocket d wade had Shaq, then he had braun he ain't really never really and mind you i'm not <laughs> i'm not making fun of him. this is his actual quote he ain't never really been by himself when he was by himself the heat were trash so, you know, interesting take, interesting view on D Wade. You know, I guess we're totally switching gears back to basketball. What do you think, yeah. Rem? You want to weigh in here for a second? I mean, look, I mean, Harden never had teammates like, uh, like D Wade. You know, Chris Paul. He got hurt. I mean, they it was the closest to beating the Warriors. Um, then he got hurt. You know, Dwight Howard, not really in his prime, and then Russell Westbrook. So there is an argument to be made that, you know, D-Wade did have a lot better teammates. I mean, there is an argument. He did. It's not even an argument. But um, what do you think? I mean, it is it is one of the interesting arguments I've personally seen over the last couple of years. And I don't know. Is this a horrible take? Well, if you are if you look up, like, the regular season numbers, I the numbers that, that Peak Harden was putting up in Houston, like, James Harden's box scores from his prime are crazy. Dwayne Wade, not Dean Wade, Dwayne Wade. So if you just put up if you just put up the numbers next to each other, the Harden numbers are kind of going to dominate the Dwayne Wade numbers. But Dwayne Wade carried his team to the finals in 0506 against the Dallas Mavericks. In those last 3 games in the finals, Harden has never done anything on that stage of that level of what Dwayne Wade did. I mean, he carried his team. He got the finals MVP. It's one of the most impressive performances we've seen from a guard, a player of his stature. I I guess the last four games, 42 points, 36 points, 43 points, 
36 points in the finals, 50% from the field, 18 free throw attempts a game. I know there was some, some stuff, some conspiracy going on there with him getting to the foul line, but he was incredible and incredible again in 2011 as well. The year LeBron faded in the playoffs against JJ Bray, the famous LeBron season series against the Mavs. Wade was really good in that series. Really good that entire season. I mean, he's good the next year as well, too. So it's it's just hard when a guy carried his team to the title the way Wade did and Harden never being the best player on a team to reach the finals. I get the numbers, but that kind of playoff impact for Dwayne Wade is just it's hard to overlook. Okay, so he was in the finals in 2000. You said 2006, right? 2005? But Yeah, and I guess Harden was in the finals, too. But I mean, as the best player on the team. Oh, that's true. Harden was in the finals. Yeah, but Shaq was on those teams when he was in the finals but during those years. But that wasn't Shaq, Shaq. Hey, well, that's why I'm trying to pull up his numbers right now. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to act like I got Shaq's numbers off the top of my head. But, um, you know, but it, I mean, he was 2005, 2006. He was 33, right? Yeah, he's 33, averaging 29 and 20 nine rebounds and you know he's not a cis guy but you know 60 percent from the field um and in that finals let's see so in that um year i mean he was only it was only 18 points um 10 rebounds so he was almost averaging uh 20 and 10 i mean it was 18 and 9 and if we go to the playoffs that year Let's see how Shaq did in that um, 2000. He was still starting and contributing, but it's yeah. not like we're we're not talking about Shaq here. He didn't have Shaq. He had a very yeah. good starting level center. Yeah, and Shaq actually didn't do so great in the finals. Um, I I'm mean, sure he the played Dirk pretty well up to it. Yeah, it looked like. I mean, they did take. Yeah, I mean, they did lose their first two games against them. Yeah, um, he averaged 13. Um, two and thirteen points, almost fourteen and ten rebounds. Um, so not great from Shaq. Um, thirty-five minutes. So, mm, so heavy rounds. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was playing a lot. Sixty uh, percent from the field on nine um shots. So, you know, I think this would be more of you know Shaq at this point would definitely be more of. A little co closer to the teammates that D Wade had, or not D Wade, James Harden had, um, with Chris Paul, with those yeah. other guys. But you know, look at the level of competition they're playing. Though they're not playing the Warriors in their prime. I think I think James Harden would have made the finals if he didn't face those Warriors, and they had KD at that point, right? In that 2017, I don't know, but he did yeah. face, yeah, and they did face him. So I think if the Warriors weren't in the way. I think James Harden is making definitely making the finals. Is he winning it against LeBron? Now that's where we have questions. But I think I think there is I think there is an argument to be made. I don't think it's a horrible take because of the level of competition James Harden had to face. He had to face LeBron if he did make the finals, which he didn't, and then he had to face an unbeatable Warriors team, which no one else could beat. And you know, D Wade, he wasn't facing that high of competition. I mean, he did have, like you mentioned, Dirk. But, um, you know, it was Detroit. It was, it was definitely a time in the league, like we mentioned earlier, where there wasn't as much talent around. You know, there's still talented players, obviously, Hall of Fame. But there wasn't super teams. 
Um, and he he and James Harden, you know, didn't have that great a team. So I think it is closer than people have it. You know, at the end of the day, people are probably going to put Flash above him. But when you look at the stats, you look at the wins, I don't know. I mean, it is. It, I think it's just because of his perception around the league of hunting fouls, stat padding that people don't like. But guess what? He made he he did what he needed to to get his team to the point that he did against literally unbeatable team in the Warriors. So I I and if they actually hit a three in that last game seven, I mean it was less than ten point game. They are you know they're beating the Warriors in their prime. I mean they're the only team that actually gave them trouble. Um, of course it was a 2016, but you know we all know already what happened there. So. Besides that, they were yeah, they're the only Western Conference playoff team or Western Conference team in general to give Warriors troubles in their prime. And you know, that was that streak was broken this past year with Curry, you know, a lot older, Clay Thompson couldn't hit a shot to save his life and all that and Draymond's really old. But um so I you know, I understand why people will put Dwayne Wade above him, but if we're switching roles, you know, is is James Harden doing much worse than Dwayne Wade? I don't know. I, I think I think there is a significant argument to be made. Now, I don't think it's clear and above, but I think it is a lot closer than people. And peak James Harden scoring numbers. I mean, 29 points a game. So five seasons in a row here. He goes 29 points, 29, 30, 36, and then 34 points a game and remember this is this is a, even a couple seasons ago that's not what we had from the nba this past year this the scoring boom we had was very very real and harden putting up those numbers even a couple seasons ago 34 points 36 30 29 29 that that's just absolutely crazy doing that in the regular season so again the stats for harden it's it's close they both have one mvp Dwayne Wade has eight all NBA appearances. Harden's at seven right now. So will he see an all NBA, another all NBA appearance? He could be one short of Dwayne Wade, three scoring titles though. Dwayne Wade, I think only with, uh, one, one scoring title, three all time, three all defensive teams though. For Dwayne Wade, there's a two, there's a two way thing with him going there. I give the slight edge to Wade. But Harden, Harden is close, and if you're making the case for Harden as a top five shooting guard, I think it's right there. I mean, you got yeah. obviously Jerry West, uh, Michael. Well, Jordan. you got Kobe. I, and I, don't, I don't know why I said Jerry Jordan. West. Over yeah, I was like, whoa, uh, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, yeah. Dwayne Wade. Yeah, <laughs> he's the logo. What do you do? I'm looking at the logo. Hey, it's just the heart effort, the IQ. <laughs> just, uh, AI, I think, would be the main person. And George Gervin, maybe, yeah. AI, George Gervin. Clyde Gervin, I guess, if you know, yeah. he might be a wing. Drexler, uh, of, of course, course. Of course, yeah, yeah. Like, Harden yeah. over Drexler? That's a, that's, a, that's a close one, too. That's a close one. I, I don't know. Harden, I mean, I, I, I guess I'll say it on this part. I think, I, think, I think James Harden, in his prime, was a more talented player than Dwayne Wade. But I think I mean, Dwayne Wade had a better career. I think Dwayne Wade had a better career because of the all-time players he was playing with. So, 
I think I think that's a good verdict on that because I mean what James Harden was doing all by himself was just stupid and like you knew it was him like that one game where he beat the Warriors in overtime and he hit that three like you know I think that's a peak that I don't know if Dwayne Wade's hitting I don't know you know in terms so of just the, in the scoring output so know. in the park in the park you're picking Harden but you're ranking Wade above above Harden is that what you're saying because I would yeah. rank Dwayne Wade higher but yeah if we're picking teams. I'm, I might pick hard for sure. Yeah. And, and like, you know, it, it, sure, we can argue about foul hunting. Guess what? It, it put more points on the board. And what's the point of an NBA game? You're putting points on the board. So, you know, it's, it, that's he did his job. And it's, you may not love it. And, you know, some of the – and now he's really hurt his reputation long-term because of him jumping teams. But I, I just think that, yeah, James Harden definitely was more talented. And I think the numbers really reflect that. Um, the other one that – was actually kind of agree yeah the piercing truth this is the 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 truth is actually holding on this time mm. draymond so that's not from draymond but it's perks who perks reaction to what draymond said so draymond mentioned that despite chris paul being his teammate he still wouldn't you know be a super big fan of him uh, for some reason what are you doing <laughs> What are you doing? I don't know. So, and Kendra Perkins said that this Draymond drama is normal, which I, you know, I would just wanted to come on and, you know, tell Perk, you know, you're actually right for once. I'm agreeing with you. You know, I like giving people props who I usually bash on. And he's completely right on this because Draymond Green, I mean, this is another year of him doing this nonsense. I've been on the train to get rid of him, but, you know, I guess instead we'd rather have Mike Dunleavy as a GM. And it's just, they, they just, keeping him around and now you're continuing to see the effects of keeping a vocal leader who punched his teammate and almost knocked him out and um yeah that's that's the fruits of your labor i guess for the warriors and what about the apology tour what about that whole fiasco he was making it very clear that oh you guys it's my fault i own up for everything this is an actual quote right like he actually said this yeah yeah he said he's not going to like chris paul did he did he say is there a well, he's like, we're going to talk to him about it man to man. He's like, it doesn't matter that he's my teammate now. We're going to talk to him man to man. And Steve Kerr admitted himself that the chemistry wasn't great oh, this last so year and he quote? messed up. So, um, Well, yeah, here. either way. Draymond, not known for for chemistry, doesn't mm -hmm. seem like. It seems like it's just easy to be like, hey, well, we're teammates now. It's all in the past. We'll figure it out. Just say that. Let's see, let's see. Lie, Draymond. Um, yeah, it's like, us. oh, here we go. Everyone's like, how are they supposed to be teammates now? And I, I'll tell you how. Number one, I've never been in a situation really to build a relationship with him. I'm an adult. Chris is an adult. Let's, let, like, let, we can talk about it amongst men. Um, and that I look forward to. There's no sugar coating what happened all these years. This is real life. Like, people get, like, people get it twisted. Like, oh, man, you're in character um oh here we go that's a whole lot of extra stuff okay so to just go out in front and act like all these things were fake like i public said i didn't like chris before i'm not gonna just be like oh man that's changed now that he's my teammate now i look forward to talking amongst men i look forward to working with another adult i've had my share fair share days of not working with adults and people who don't move like adults Oh, okay. Shots to Jordan Poole. So I'm looking forward to work with an adult. He said like five times. You know what I'm saying? Chris is a pro. I look forward to working with a pro. He's super smart. And he's shown to be a great leader. Guess what? Um, 
I, if I have a team, someone who I don't like because of all the little things he does to win and it's annoying, I'm going to like it if he's on my team. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, I would flip actually. <laughs> I'll come out and say like, you know, if, if there's someone who's, you know, messing with the clock, you know, trying to get a technical on someone because their shirt is not tucked, stuff like that. Yeah, if he's doing it to win, I get it. But, um, and I would like it if he's on my team. But, um, you know, this also feels like a little bit of, you know, uh, media tour of bashing Jordan Poole, who you already kicked Buddy out. Like, give it up, man. Give it up. I don't know. But this drama is normal. So who's in worst take? Is Perk? Are we putting Perk back into worst take? No, this is the piercing truth. It is the actual truth. We're, we're agreeing with both. So we, we do agree with Perk, Reverend Perk. Yeah, Amen. I agree. I don't know. Amen. I mean, you definitely agree. I mean, Draymond drama is normal. Yes, Draymond yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> this is to be expected. More punches at Pool. Yeah, I know. Just, just, at still least swinging. these ones are verbal. <laughs> still, still swinging. Um, soccer corner, shout out to USA Women's Soccer. Still atop of their pool, but uh, their group in the World Cup. Um, but yeah, tied with Netherlands. There were some concerns in the second half. They didn't really sub out their players, and the players' performance definitely dropped. But not the usual dominant run that it has been the last couple of years. And, you know, some interesting questions being asked about the team, whether they can go all the way. Um, and, um, you know, it's definitely kind of a year of transition for them. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this one works out. But shout out to them. They're so far ahead of their pull. And um, they should mm. be pretty firmly going to the... Um, to the uh, bracket, unless something wild happens, which I doubt. Is Netherlands the defending champs? Are they the reigning FIFA World Cup champions? I guess FIFA World Cup comes around every couple of years, so won. it's not like I guess I'm not sure if they're running back the same roster, even if they are yeah. those champions. But I never Netherlands. It's not like it's not like that's a walkover opponent, right? To yeah, have I don't a draw think it's horrible. Them. Yeah, oh. I don't think it's a easy opponent. Um, which country won the last Women's World Cup? Um, oh, it's it was won by U.S. Yeah, they beat Netherlands. Oh, okay, um, okay. But yeah, it was won by U.S. in 2019. For sure, for sure. Um, okay. To win their second year. But, you know, I mean, you're right, though. That's, I mean, that's a good team. That was the runner-up last time. So, I mean, it is a good team. I, you know, huge fan of Netherlands, uh, both men's and women's teams, especially, yeah, their the men's got some great players, and so do their women. So, it's... It's uh, still ongoing um, over down in the land down under. And, um, you know, yeah, I know. Uh, Morocco right now ahead of South Korea, one zip. Um, and games are just going off day by day. But, uh, you know, group stage, you know, we'll be definitely tuning in once it gets into the uh, big one, to the bracket. That'll be really interesting to see. But um, also, shout out, a little bit of inter-Miami action going on. Um, it's uh, Messi. He's definitely, I mean, he's kind of carrying this team right now. Uh, they, I mean, it's just, they, they had a 4-0 win, and he had two goals and one assist. So it was funny to see once he got subbed out at the 75th minute, just everyone was light leaving. Like no mm -hmm. one was, no one was sticking around, and that's because yeah. you know, that's kind of how MLS is. And you know, I've spoken with other 
soccer fans. And, you know, as much as we want to give MLS support, you know, outside of this whole thing with Messi, like with those European teams coming over, there's, you know, no reason to really watch MLS. The quality of soccer is just not there. And uh, But I did find out Oakland does have a second division team. So shout out to shout out to them. But A football um, team? No, soccer team. Well, football, football team is if you have the right way to say football, yeah. Yeah, I'm learning from these corners. I know. How yeah, to say there you right. go. Uh, the Oakland Roots, um, Roots team. Yeah, Oakland loves the love the trees. They love the trees. Simple. The trees or the shit. Um, yeah, one one today in the in their game against Detroit. So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of your snob, and I think the numbers kind of show that. But you know, mm-hmm. it is it is uh you know at least they have Messi here, so there's some some reason to bring fans in but you know once they sub them out those fans are running out the door so what do soccer subs work like then so he gets subbed out in the 75th minute he can't come back in mm-hmm. or is it just kind of so he's out like yeah, legally done. he can't come back yeah you can't come back in a game yeah once you get subbed out at all yeah that's it oh really subs yeah. are a one-time thing yeah subs are a one-time thing in soccer yep so you, no you sub them in and no it's that's the that's the numbers game it's a little bit uh it's pretty interesting but so that's why it's even worse when they sub the sub because you only get like three to five substitutions so it's it's crazy i mean it's just demoralizing especially for young players when you sub them in and then they're playing so bad you have to sub them out because you have you barely can substitute people and then he once you sit down that's it so um and then for a 90 minute game it is very interesting how the chess is done for that but yeah once he subbed out that's it he's done for the night take off his cleats it's uh yeah that's so funny sometimes i come on here and pretend to actually like know what i'm trying to talk about with soccer and then sometimes it's like no actually i just have to ask like super basic questions is this is this is so does this include like with like yellow cards and stuff when people get penalties do those subs chalk up toward those subs so with the uh, penalties, and also quick aside, with American high school, they allow substitutions all the time. I don't know about college, but they allow oh, like fair. people going in and out. So sure. here in high school, that's you know, it's it's kids. But um, so with yellow cards, um, so how it works is penalties only happen when you know it's a foul within the box. Um, it doesn't always need a card. Um, and the only time, the main times they'll do a red card is if it's a really egregious foul or if it's what they call like stopping a goal scoring opportunity. So usually if the person is like able to score a goal, but you just like totally took them out and it, it usually only happens when they're in the box. That's when they give a red card. But sometimes if it's like a transition, it gives a red card. The thing that's really sucks about red card is you can't sub out a red carded player. So he's just done. So you're just down to 10 people. Like it's 11 people per team. And once you get a red card, that player is just, they just, you're just down a person. Um, with yellows, you know, it's a warning obviously. And if you get two yellows, you get a red card. Um, you could also just get a straight red card, even if you have a yellow, um, because there's like, there's rules about, you know, if you get a certain number, you could get banned, stuff like that. Um, you could not, you could be suspended for a couple of games if you get a lot of red, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if you could do two yellows, you get a red and then that person is gone. Um, but if you do have a yellow, you can sub out a yellow carded player. So that's some of the math as well as, you know, sometimes you take out that, that yellow carded just so he doesn't get another one. Um, so you can get a player who can still be aggressive. And um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the main things with the substitutions. But yeah, you just get a set number of substitutions. It used to be just three. 
for Premier League, and they're really pushing for five. It was interesting because they were mentioning a lot of like players' health and things like that, but it does give just a ridiculous, massive advantage to the big teams that have all the talent on their bench that can bring in those subs who are still world class players and just continue to fall out. So it, you know, it was kind of weird with the conversations, but I think they did eventually concede to giving only five. The video game, if FIFA only allows three, I hope they push it up to five. But, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the main thing with those uh, penalties. And so with the penalties, I mean, that's, that's regardless of the cards and stuff like that. You can't really sub out and stuff. But it is interesting to see sometimes where they'll have, like, a so a goalkeeper will, like, run out of goal to stop a goal and will, like, stop a goal-scoring opportunity. So he'll get a red card, and then if they're, like, they have no other goalkeepers, then they'll have someone be the goalkeeper instead. So there is, like, a striker who's become a goalkeeper. There's been other positions where they'll move into that place or move into other areas because they just don't have anyone to replace them, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, it's the, it's the interesting, interesting math of soccer, how they, how they balance all that. But usually they sub out some midfielders cause they have to go the whole length of the field and, um, maybe a striker or two, but rarely do defenders get subbed out because usually they don't have to do, they don't have to usually go the whole length of the field Oh, and the goalkeeper almost never gets subbed out. So this is, so that's like the good players then like Mbappe, when he plays, he's just playing the whole game. Or do you start him on the bench, sub him in late, let him finish it out? So you do always start him. It is similar to basketball. We have like you do have the respect of starting someone, you know, because you're you're that good. You're gonna start every game. Um, now there are there is a higher threshold for that. Like you have to be really really good to be starting every single game. They will rotate like some pretty good players um, comparative to like NBA, where you're just gonna start whoever your best lineup every single time. Um, because with soccer, they are worried about development. You know, it is a long season. There are games in the middle of the week, and it is like a 90-minute match. So they do sub in some people. But, um, yeah, like players of Mbappe's level, the only time they wouldn't have them starting is if they are injured or they're coming back from injury, um, and then they're trying to bring them in. But most of the time, they'll have them play most of the minutes. And then if they're up by a lot, you know, like similar to the uh, Messi situation, they're up by four so. That's why they have subbed them out of the 75th minute, um, you know, give them that extra rest. And especially for older players, they'll sub them out early. But someone like Mbappe, he's almost always playing the whole game, um, unless it's, like, really a blowout, and then he's getting subbed off. But, um, yeah, I mean, usually with those guys, they'll just have them play. Messi. It's so messy. Yeah, because I guess Messi at this stage in his career in Miami, like, probably not going to yeah. be playing the whole game. So... Tough there. Well, Why not? Like I guess... he's getting a lot of pressure, but yeah. Maybe not just keep defenses. him out and then keep selling him in at the end. Keep the people around. You want Messi? You clearly want Messi in there the whole game now. Like that's what's going to keep the fans in the stands. So. Yeah, I mean, I put him in like thirtieth minute, you know, twentieth hmm. minute, you know, somewhere in there, and then he can play to the end. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting. But then you know that's weird. You're not starting Lionel Messi. What's going on? You know, and then that's a whole thing. So. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's, soccer is weird. Um, let's see here. And then moving to Ultimate Frisbee Corner. Uh, this week, AUDL, the semi-pro league, the playoffs have started. It looks like I was actually incorrect. The, the Oakland Spiders did not make it. But uh, another team from California, the uh, LA, uh, the LA Aviators, 
beat Colorado Summit in a one-point game. Um, Colorado, a very good team. And the club team in that area did recently win nationals. And I know it doesn't doesn't really make sense, but for Frisbee, usually the teams in certain areas, they'll have a lot of players cross over. So when they're looking at teams, you know, for that are going to be really good, they're like, oh, they usually have all these players who are on this other team. And so that's why it's, it's a little surprise. I mean, Colorado is definitely one of the better teams in the league, um, had a lot of players from that uh, club team, but they uh, they lose in a one-point game to the LA Aviators. So we still have a California team in it. Um, also, uh, the DC DC Breeze makes it also to the second round. They're, they're definitely one of the best teams in the league. It's just because they had the New York Empire, who have been literally an empire and um, in their division. There was not much they could do. They were undefeated, um, beat them twice. And then uh, Chicago team, local team, gets out pretty early. The Alley Cats, your team, Rem, beats them pretty handedly by eight. So Is they're it a team on to Indy? the next round. Yeah, it's the Indy. That's the Indy team? Yeah, Alley Cats on to the next round. Um, and then Austin, Austin Soul loses or beats the Colorado, Carolina Flyers by one point, one goal. So, um, let me see if I can pull up the bracket here. Um, let me see here. But um, what round were they in again? This was the very first round. This so, started. yeah, it just started. Actually, these games were all today. So it was, they were earlier today. And the um, Portland, the Portland Nitro are out because I think I remember looking at their record last week. Yeah, it was not. It was They're not, not good. Yeah, yeah, but um, similar to the nfl you know they do award um they do award teams that um win their divisions and so they did so every team that won the division got the buy and then they're playing these next teams and if i can pull this up okay so let's see here the um, so the alley cats will be playing the minnesota windchill who are 10 and 2 sat out um minnesota the only Midwest team, I think, still in this, and they've been really good this year. Um, I know, I and, might be. Who knows? Maybe I'm a win show. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. They're they're really good. Um, in the East for the, the divisional. Team. Yeah, yeah, they're oh, well, they're the closest team to Iowa, I guess, out of everyone left. So, um, I guess technically, you know, Central time zone, you know, but it's the Alley Cats though. It's your, you know, Indianapolis. So who knows? That might be. We'll see who gets out of there. Um, the New York Empire are taking on DC, which is interesting. Um, the Empire have well, who I consider the best player in the world, Jack Williams, um, on their team, and who they recently convinced to move. He's originally from the Carolina area, um, and he played on the club team in that area. And they recently convinced him and Ryan Osgar, a really good player as well, to come to the New York club team. So that team is oh. they're really, really getting in the New York Frisbee area. Um, the decision. Him and Ryan Osgar. Yeah, I know. It was pretty much. It was pretty much. I mean, you know, they're they're the New York didn't. They lost in the final last year um, to the Colorado team, which was a shock. They got upset. Um, they did have one of their best handlers, defensive handlers, get you know hit in the head. It was it was huge. He got you know he got knocked out, and I think he was paralyzed for a little bit. But he's came back. He played for Colorado. He's he's definitely still he's still playing well. Um, but yeah, New York. Taking on DC is definitely, you know, it's huge because uh, DC has the player of the year, um, the best. So 
according, you know, the, had the best season last year. Um, former AUDL MVP in Rowan McDonald. So um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then down south, it's Atlanta against, I think it was Carolina. And then um, over here in the west, the Salt Lake Shred with only one loss to the New York Empire, that huge loss, are taking on the LA Aviators. So we're going to have to see if the California team can pull Heavyweights. the upset. Yeah, pull the upset over the 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 best second best team in the league. Um, I'm going to be interested. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, I, you know, Frisbee tends to not really have any shockers but when it is shocking a shocker it is really shocking it's it's out of nowhere so um it's gonna be it, that's gonna be a really good matchup as well um the aviators have been a tough team and they were yeah they're the third best team in their division so they're not even supposed to be here but there they go they're they're taking on the salt lake so i'll be interesting and um also a little personal win um this past thursday uh, be just uh, finished an undefeated season with uh, men's hey! league. So yeah, we got the chip. Um, you know, there was a little bit of questions. There was a little bit of you know, thankfully not too close to look at the papers. You know, maybe should have been on another team, but we figured it out. We uh, we did lose a lot of uh, our veteran players, not in terms of injury, but they were just tired. They were busy, had other stuff, and um, you know, but we got it done. We we were facing a pretty tough team. Uh, it was a, a lot of high school. They were high school a little bit older, and they had a lot of their parents there. It was a it was a huge cheering yeah. section. So it was a uh, you know Not it made the, the victory bombs. a little bit sweeter. The first half it was close. They never I, I don't know if you mentioned but broke broke us. So it's like where they score uh, where they take they get the turnover on our offense and then score on the defense. So they get like one up on us. They never did, but they did start with the disc. And the weird thing about Frisbee is whatever team starts with the disc, in theory, if the game plays out, they'll win because they score and then we score and they score and then we score. And then even though it does switch at halftime, it's only tied. So they it would be like 8-8 eight, eight, and then they would score. So it become 9-8 and then we would score. It becomes 9-9. Nine, nine. So that's why when the defense can stop them and score, it's, it's so huge um, in terms of a break. So um, they started on offense. So we were kind of trading points and then we got two breaks going we got two breaks on them and then they got one of their breaks back on us so we went into the half up eight seven and then we got the disc so then we got that two goal lead um and yeah and then after that after that first i think we went with i think yeah we had four straight breaks coming out of the second half so huge huge run you know coming out of the break out of out of the halftime and um yeah and then uh, that pretty much sealed the deal. It was a it was a really talented team. They knew what they were doing. They were a club. They were kind of a club team. So they all were wearing the same jersey. So they've been practicing. It was clear they were pretty well regimented. But our team had a lot of more uh, experienced players. Players who have been playing for longer. And you know it was it was fun. It was a good matchup. But yeah, we won. I think it was like thirteen eight. Um, and uh, yeah, so far undefeated so far in the season now not been able to make it to some of the other leagues so there is a caveat a little asterisk haven't been there every single game for every single team but starting the playoffs for another team this week so we'll have to see mm. uh this team is definitely the league is definitely smaller it's a mixed league as well um talent level is a little is a bit lower but and so you know we have to get you know reach a little deeper into the bag but It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I was definitely a rotation player 
with this men's team. I mean, you know, still put up stats, but didn't have to carry them. And now this one, it's definitely uh, more of a leadership role. But it's going to be fun. I'm really I'm really excited. We'll have to see if we can finish out the summer with the, with the leagues. Because then the end of summer is here. August is around the corner. Um, you know, yeah, I was literally. just doing orientation stuff for students. So, you know, these summer leagues are ending. There'll be fall leagues in the fall, obviously, in September. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so the, the excitement won't end. And the fall leagues are going to be even better because all the players who've been playing clubs um are going to be actually playing because they, they end in the summer so um it'll be a lot more competitive than it is now um but yeah fun time so far undefeated but we'll see well, well knock on wood we have a tough test um this first week shouldn't be too tough but the week after the the commissioner and his team is really really good they're really really good and this is good too especially in that one league to dip back down get some reps as the lead guy because like you yeah. said got that got that the the got the the fall season's gonna be tough. It's gonna be competitive. There we go. And you're gonna level up to uh to get out there and go. But it it throw some applause over over Sam saying <laughs> saying you, they won you. the championship. That's that's yeah. that's what we're going for here. That's 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 that that's that I hook experience. That <laughs> I hook playoff run experience coming in clutch. It definitely does. Did come in clutch. And I actually met you know I was doing an event or helping out at an event earlier today and. You know, one of the teachers there actually mentioned that he coaches a middle school team. You know, they need help with strategy. So, you know, maybe we'll get a little Coach oh, Jansen too. And O's? Coach, Coach Jansen. Hey, look, I'll get the bill. I've always wanted to coach Frisbee. And, you know, it's, it's, it is a middle school level, but it would, I'd love to teach. And, um, you know, it would be, it would be really fun. And that's one of the things I love about Frisbee is that, you know, you just mentioned like two or three things. And it just takes your game to the next level and you get better at it. And it, it's just step by step. And it, you can really see the improvement a lot on the field. And, you know, I don't know. He was mentioning that the team was taking it too serious, you know, which, you know, I'm in on. You know me. I like guys who are locked in. So, you know, if it, it you know, we'll, we'll obviously with Frisbee, you want to make sure it's still fun. But in any sport as well, especially at that age. But, uh, you know. I, I, you know, I like a good competitive team, and uh, you know, he mentioned that he uh, he he, con he contacted another ex college player. You know, it's weird to say that, but another ex college player to uh, be coaching. So, you know, if they need me to just hold a clipboard, I don't care. You know, it's kind of funny with with frisbee. You know, it's a legit team when they come out the the guy with the iPad and he's like pointing, and you gotta do stuff the like tablet. this. But uh, it's apparently a very talented team. You know, making some advanced throws. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. They, they start up practices in the winter. So if they, if they need a little, you know, coach teams and out there with the club, I'll do it. I'll do it even just to be their high person. But I, I, I'm so excited to see if that actually pans out. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it does, you know, it's just a unit for him in his PE class, but they play other teams. So it seems like it's a little legit. Yeah. They play a competition and, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be uh, probably way more invested than I should be in it. Talented. You said they're a talented team. They're middle schoolers. Are, are they ranked? Do they have a ranking? No, they don't have ranking. Are they seated? He, he did mention it is a really athletic team. They just don't know what they're doing in terms of strategy. And so, you know, and I, you know, I personally, one of my favorite parts of Frisbee is teaching other people about Frisbee. And, you know, so far yeah. it's been pretty successful. So, you know, I am really hope to... And apparently, you know, they just take it too seriously. And so, you know, obviously academics come first and, you know, you want them to have fun. But uh, 
you know, I like a good competitive team. I like, I like people Sam's going to be running. Sam's going to be running those Pete Carroll training camps where the offense and defense hate each other. Everybody's fighting and they're like, it, it's, it's good on game days. We get along, we figure exactly. it out. We're professional. We're going to be doing suicides and back and forth. Got to get in shape. No, I'm kidding. But uh, there, I mean, there's, you know, Frisbee drills might have to hit up my old coach, get some, get some write up some stuff, but um, I'm Are really excited. Still doing that. Suicide. Hopefully they don't. Yeah. Hopefully they don't. They don't get rid of suicides. Yeah. Well, you go back and forth. You go to the line and back. Yeah. I mean, that's something yeah. that's never going away. You know, that's just. Yeah. Timeless yeah, classic. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Coaches, don't stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, conditioning is something that any sport has to appreciate. Besides, like maybe baseball. But you know. shout out, shout out Darnell Wright. Yeah. Shout out Max Scherzer. Got traded. Mm. I don't know. Two seconds on it. You know. I don't know. We saw it. You know. Texas Rangers huge deal. I don't know. Baseball is obviously not our bullpen but uh you know it's uh something that's out there and shout out to him but uh, shout out shout out uh shout out alex Pereira, shout out oh. justin gaithy the two oh. ufc 291 champion shout out terrence crawford tonight was a huge night for for the fighting sports a lot of huge fights tonight can't wait to go back and rewatch those shout out to terrence shout out to terrence crawford especially that's the way it should have gone that's my guy. Seems Hold like Justin Gahey's um, knockout is really um, trending I'm right seeing, now. I'm seeing the ESPN notification. I'm seeing it trend. I'm going to save it and watch watch the full fight. Same with Prairie as well. The fact that Prairie wins now, and they were fighting they were fighting for the light heavyweight belt in that fight. Jamal Hill had to renounce his title. So that does that set up the potential Adesanya Prairie 3? Double champ, middleweight and lightweight. Put them both on the line. Biggest fight ever? I don't know. I don't know, but it, it might be a real possibility now. I saw it was a decision, so we'll see if that's the way the UFC went. Wants to hear that decision. But huge night for the sport. Looked like there were some good results. Can't wait to get back into that. Shout out to those guys. And uh, I did want to mention in a bigger point in the in the portfolio about running backs, and a little little meeting that they had and things like that. But I don't I guess we don't need to do it in a portfolio port because it's an actual news story for you, Rem. Jonathan Taylor requesting a trade and now Jim Irsay saying they won't trade him. You got a statement for the people, what we're thinking, you know. I mean, it's one of the best running backs obviously in the league, you know, could argue the best, and now upsetting the apple cart when things seem to be finally on the straight and narrow what what's the move here what should the colts do and how do you feel as a fan we might have to uh let this this story simmer for a little bit specifically this jonathan taylor issue because i do have thoughts on the running back market paying these running backs i think it's very specific i think you have to look at these running backs on a case-by-case basis Jonathan Taylor, I will say, having Jonathan Taylor, I love Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, first team All-Pro a couple seasons ago. That 21 season was phenomenal. He was amazing. Having a running back that talented with Anthony Richardson would just be a great way to take some pressure off of his shoulders, ease the burden of the offense, help bring him along. He's still young. But you know there there are there are there are bigger picture questions here looming with the the running back position and 
now that we're seeing it be drastic to the point where Jonathan Taylor is entering his fourth year, what the last year on his deal, he was he was a second round pick, not not a, not a first round pick, so he doesn't have the five year deal. He has the four year deal, and the fact that running backs now are trying to request a trade in in their third year of their deal shows you where the the market has trended downward too. I guess initially too as well too like where is Jonathan Taylor going to go? Like these other teams aren't going to pay the running back. Yeah. So, I mean, are you gonna, you could trade him for one year of Jonathan Taylor, but are the other teams going to give him the extension and the Colt, the Colts still might, the Colts still might Valor. Who knows, who knows uh, what they're going to do there. I think he's still valuable to this team. I think they probably want to see how the season plays out as well too, with him on the expiring contract. But especially for a young team and a young quarterback, keeping good weapons around would be nice. So we'll let this simmer a little bit, but hopefully he can, I, I, you know, I would like to see him stay around. Hopefully they can, hopefully they can get this resolved. I'm not eager to see Jonathan Taylor leave. When you saw this request go through, were you surprised? Were there any signs of this? I mean, I know there's a little bit of dissent, you know, way around the league, but yeah, were it's you, been did ramp- you feel betrayed? No, it's been it's been ramping up, and again, the market yeah. is bad, so we don't know what those behind the behind the scenes conversation conversations are like. Uh, I think the fact that I'm not on here like pleading to keep Jonathan Taylor again, I love Jonathan Taylor. Like Jonathan yeah. Taylor's Jonathan Taylor's a great a great a great player, and I'm not out necessarily on the running back the running back market as a whole. But I mean, he is a type of a specific type of running back, a bruiser. You know, you're running him up the middle. He had a lot of as great as that 21 season was, he had a lot of carries, a lot of usage, and injuries have started. So I would I would love to keep him around, but Ballard has been very tight with the the checkbook his entire tenure there. He's kept yeah, he's always ha- maintained a lot of cap space. They've never spent a lot of money. And he's he's sacrificed better players. Well not better players, but players that you know, more premium positions than running back to have yeah. a cheap team. Like he traded Stefan Gilmore. Stefan yeah. Gilmore left. He went out of there. Like he might he might have wanted to leave as well too. But like one of the few top end talent guys they've had, they ended up moving on. So Ballard, I he's not gonna he's not gonna overpay to keep Taylor. But I don't think that doesn't mean there's a world where they don't get this done. We saw the Saquon situation as well too that that eventually Saquon, he he'll be playing on the franchise tag this year. So this this news is literally fresh. Like this news is yeah. just just coming out tonight. So Ursay saying we're not going to trade him. Like they're going to talk. They're gonna they're gonna meet about this stuff. So I I I, I would like to keep Jonathan Taylor around, and he would be nice in the development of Anthony Richardson, a sure thing at running back, somebody to help him, somebody that can be nice in the pass catching game, but just in general, you know, a, a really, really good to elite weapon on offense. And I know this is something we'll probably revisit. And I know Rem will have we definitely stats. Will. Yeah. Stats to Kazooie be, he'll be a lot better prepared, but just getting the raw reaction, the raw feeling of, you know, losing probably, you know, the best player on your team. Just, you just wanted to quickly check in on you, but that should be Plus about we're going it. on hour four. It? Yeah. So no, yeah. I say we're going on hour four. So we'll save it. We'll we'll spare the listener. We'll save it. Hey, you know, 
just just like the Oppenheimer, we just keep on going. Just keep on going. <laughs> I know we criticized Oppenheimer earlier. Look oh at my us. Gosh. Hey, it's actually something entertaining. All right, all right. That should be about it for the Rev and Sam podcast. Thank you for listening all the way through. Make sure you're checking out our Instagram, our YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. I think we're on there too, right? I I think we Apple, should be, yeah. Amazon, Stitcher. I oh think pretty goodness. much everywhere you can get a oh podcast and find us. You got to be following. You got to be keeping up. And, and uh, It's almost yeah, impossible make... not to. We're everywhere. Yeah, now the reels are in video form. I'm supposed to be editing them, but you know, life be crazy. But Rem, he takes on the extra challenge. He does it. He's like, I'm going to just do it myself. You know, forget about him. So shout out, Rem. Still grinding away doing great work and uh yeah make sure you're following all that before it really blows up and then then your bandwagon you could just join right now could listen right now <laughs> be be one of the real ones and uh but yeah thank you for listening listening all the way through we'll be back next week with some fresh stuff and yeah we'll see y'all next time <laughs>